Hit the gas, Murphy. The posted limit is 35. We should set an example, Anne. Your hair looks lovely. That way. It's OCP. They did something to you. I'm fine. Isn't the moon wonderful tonight? It's still daytime. It's the thought that counts. Oh, Jesus. We're heading back to the station. That's all there is to it. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 157 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm your host Becca and as always joined by my fellow law enforcers Dave and Chris. How are you both doing? Good evening folks. I'm buying something for a dollar. Buy that for a dollar? Though that's not in this film. Well I hope you're not going to buy some nuke, the pair of you. I should be very disappointed. Nuke? Or whatever it's called, the, the drug that's ripping through Motor City. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the big red canister, you can't miss it. Well, the big canister is what they have to use at the end. It's this little kind of fucking weird thing at the start, isn't it? The little drops on. Yeah, well, it's kinda of, it's kind of like a little tiny capsule syringe, isn't it? You just sort of stick it in your neck. Yeah. Yeah. I guess if you use you know, if you wear contact lenses, that's kind of what you would put some solution use the solution to go and obviously you might not do that anymore, but it does look a little bit like that. Uh, it looks like there could be like cough medicine in there or something. Look yeah. at the colour of it. And stuff. Cowpole for children. Cowpole, yeah. Perhaps that's what it is. <laughs> cowpole. Addictive cowpole. drug, everybody uses it. Yeah, everyone loves cowpole. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yes, we finally get around to Robocop 2, starring Peter Weller, Nancy Allen, Tom Newman. Finally. <laughs> finally. <laughs> Everyone's been waiting for this. <laughs> I've never seen this film before. I was waiting for it. Anyway, yes, starring Wanda did Jesus, Mark Ralston, Gabriel Damon, Willard Pugh, and Dan O'Hurley as the old man reappearing once again. The score, which is very odd, by Leonard Hang on a minute. Did you name any of the big stars, or did I miss No, that? I didn't, just the little ones. You just started with Wanda did Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I already listed Peter like... Weller, Nancy Allen, and Tom Noonan. They're the oh, three right. that I know. I probably missed that bit. All right, I just suddenly became aware, and you went Wanda did Jesus. I'm like, hey? <laughs> I started halfway, and then Chris said something, and then I carried on. Okay. I was watching this film, and I was literally like, I, I recognise a few of, the, obviously the, the, in three, obviously the two leads and and the villain, um, and then obviously kind of bit parts and you know other character actors here and there. But apart from that, it's like, who are these people? So I, I recognised a fair few. I mean, Wanted hmm. to Jesus is, um, apart from her own career, of course, is known oh, as definitely. The, the partner of Jimmy Smith in real life. She's been with him 30-odd years. Hmm. Um, and what was the other name I, I pointed out just before? Uh, we Mark Ralston, it? you said. Mark Ralston, yeah, well, Mark Ralston was basically the uh, the sort of gang leader Boggs who bullies and sexually assaults um, Andy Dufresne in that film. Yeah. Uh, he's one of the police officers in this. Uh, I'd have, have to do a prison movie series. Because Shawshank is, is one of the all-time great films, I think. 
Yeah, I don't know what series that would fall into, actually, because, I mean, prison series, what would you do? Papillon, Escape from Alcatraz? Or maybe Stephen King series, perhaps? Possibly. I don't know, that could be wild and Frank Darabont, I don't know, we'll think about it. Uh, Anyway. One day, yeah, one day I don't see any problem. Or if anyone wants to uh, donate and have us do the Shawshank Redemption, fill your boots, because we'd certainly give that a try. Um. Yeah, I mean, apart from that, it's uh, it's a few, few, quite a few of the people we saw last time, isn't it? Yes, it's pretty much the same. Um, but yeah, I got sort of the main people anyway. The yeah, score by Leonard Rosenman, script, uh, well, ed- characters by Edward Newmar and Michael Minot, story and screenplay with a cameo by Frank Miller, and directed by Evan Kushner, who we have seen before on this podcast, and released in 1990. I did. How about spot, that? Yeah, I did spot the Evan Kushner character. He turns up on a computer screen when they go. Yeah, he's, he's one of the death row inmates. Yeah. Uh, he always looked the same. Yeah, <laughs> he always looks the same. He does. Yeah. Yeah. Bless him. Um, Leonard Rosenman, I had to look up because obviously it's not Basil Polidarius <laughs> this time. And uh, went into his filmography and some of his earliest stuff is James Dean, East of Eden, Rebel Without a Cause, stuff like that. Um, as we come forward in time, he did a couple of the Planet of the Apes films, so we'll revisit that next year. He did Barry Lyndon, so when we get to Kubrick someday down the line, and that's on the list, we'll Very certainly exciting. talk about that. He did the animated Lord of the Rings from the late 70s, and he did Star Trek for The Voyage Home, so the one that sounds like the Argos Christmas catalogue. Because it is, the Argos <laughs> Christmas catalogue. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I, uh, I thought it was a bit strange how, obviously, even though... The, the original score was, was by was by Polidori, so we didn't kind of hear this replicated again or, like, you know, various aspects of it. But I think it's interesting, and he, you know, brings his own flavour to it, brings his own colour to it, and kind of puts his own stamp um, on, you know, on the music of this film, definitely. Yeah. Frank Miller, obviously, uh, wrote this, and he wrote next week's as well, complained in both scenarios that they didn't make what he wrote. Well... He's clearly unfamiliar with how Hollywood works if he's shocked that writers work, you know, writers are a little bit sort of towards the bottom of the food chain. But um, actually looking into it, he went and made them into a comic book adaptation of this is what my Robocop 2 was meant to be. And it met with absolute critical uh, damning. Uh, so, yeah, his robot. <laughs> in fact, one of the comments was uh, this is so bad. I, I, I want to go and watch the movie again just to prove that it couldn't have been this bad. So I'm not sure. Certainly, I feel I haven't seen everything Frank Miller's ever done, but we were talking a little bit off air beforehand. When Frank Miller passes away, he'll probably be best remembered for The Dark Knight Returns and Batman Year One. Uh, Batman Year One, I really like. Batman The Dark Knight Returns, very, very influential in reorienting what Batman was in the 80s, you know, away from that sort of the public knowing it as that sort of Adam West take on it, although the comics had come a long way since then, to be fair. Uh, but my biggest problem with the, the Dark Knight Returns, and it, it kind of speaks to how this film is as well, is Batman is just so dark and nihilistic in it, you know, that it's just like, I, I can't follow this guy, I can't follow this character. And on top of that, even though that comic book has a couple of fairly uh, iconic shots, particularly you know some of the cover work on certain editions of it frank miller drew it himself and i just think the artwork in it looks really amateurish but having said that i look at um frank miller and the structure of that book where there's a lot of cutting to newscasters to get um exposition and that does make me think of robocop so in some respects with it being such a dark nihilistic world futuristic world a bit like 
the Dark Knight Returns was. I can see why they turned to him. Frank Miller's also known for a run on Daredevil. And we, as we were saying off air, um, if you look at the Affleck Daredevil film, whatever you think of that film, there's a lot of sort of Catholic imagery in it. And, and that is influenced very strongly by his take on it. There's a lot of, sort of Catholic guilt in his Daredevil. Um, so th- there's that. But the other thing I think of when I think of, of Frank Miller is his run on those sort of films, well, Sin City. But more than that, in the same style as Sin City, he adapted the comic book The Spirit in a film about three years after Spin City. Uh, Spin City, sorry, that was a Michael J. Fox comedy. <laughs> I was going to say, um, <laughs> that's a different film. <laughs> he did adapt that. Michael J. Fox just fucking murdering everyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Now um, that, that's a film I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, I'm not sure, sure I want to see that. Yeah, not sure where our accurate shooting would be now, but um... <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> wow, yeah, he might have high accuracy now. Yeah, just shoot. <laughs> it might, even, you know, it might be very accurate. Yeah, but um, since uh, Sin City, obviously, I didn't mind. Thought it was okay. The sequel wasn't good, but um, although I had a lot of Eva Green, Na- Na- Eva Green was naked throughout most of her time in that film. But The Spirit was a film he wrote and directed. It had um, Samuel L. Jackson in it. It had Scarlett Johansson. It had Eva Mendes and a few other people you'd know. And it's truly one of the worst films I've ever seen. One of the one of the worst high-profile films I've ever seen where it was released with names and to a fanfare. It actually picked up a bit in the second half, which was disappointing because I, I genuinely thought I was watching one of the sort of top, t- you know, bottom ten worst films I've ever seen. And so there was a lot of hype surrounding it as well, wasn't there? It elevated so. itself a little bit above that. So I think what I'm trying to say is, particularly when you throw in, he did stuff like The Dark Knight Strikes Again, which is terrible. Um, I'm not quite sure if this man's stellar reputation quite stands up to scrutiny, and I can just feel his general. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, it, it, it's a bit of nihilism, but I don't mean that. Mis, misanthropy, you know, just his general view on the world sort of bleeds into this. And it, and it lacks some of the, as dark as the first film was, that had a little bit of sort of joy and hope about it in some respects that this has none of. But um, so, yeah, you've seen The Spirit, haven't you, Chris? Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. There you are. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that, one word review. That's prompted quite the conversation. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that's very interesting. No, it's I can't remember that much about it other than it was just quite cra- crazy and zany. And, and also, there's a little bit of sense of, you know, you're just redoing Sin City again. Like, Sin City did this. What You know, it's just like you're just going over yourself again. But it's that, but not very good. Uh, you kind of yeah. want it to be kind of like kind of fun, zany and wacky because you got like Samuel Jackson playing a villain called the Octopus yeah. and shit like that but it, it no, it's, it, it, it's just crap the worst thing about the spirit is it, it thinks it has a sense of humour so when Frank Miller does try to lighten up he can't really do that either so there's an awful lot of the guy's life's, life work I've not seen so I don't want to make this a definitive statement on him. But certainly, like, of his two most lauded sort of Batman books, I only really like one of them, and it's probably the less lauded of the two. 
I haven't seen his run on Daredevil, but I've seen his work here and I've seen his work with Robert Rodriguez and in that style, and I'm not fond of a lot of what he's done. Plus, I've seen and read bits of interviews with him over the years. And yeah, the, the guy just comes off as a little bit bigoted and a bit of a misanthrope. And if that's unfair, I apologise. But um, I don't think... I can see why they thought he was a mix to this material, but I don't think it works. Yeah, I can't speak to his run on Daredevil, but I think that's probably he's probably more... A praise for that really more than anything and uh... it's, it's it's run on daredevil is very very well thought of yeah it's I, well regarded, I, isn't I, it? I know more how it's affected the look feel and themes of the character than i do the work itself mm-hmm. but there you go um but yeah robocop 2 just just as a, a general thing i just think don't you sometimes think if only irving kirshner had quit after the empire strikes back <laughs> Because this is the second film we've covered of Irving Kirshner. Mm. <laughs> the other one being Never Say Never Again. Mm. <laughs> it's very much of I, I forgot he did that. <laughs> well, considering I'd never seen this film before, I would, and given how I'm not really a fan of Never Say Never Again, I would kind of say that this is worse of <laughs> the two. Like, unnecessary. Yeah, um... Certainly, Nancy Allen didn't like working with him. I can't, I can't re- readily remember the quote, but she. No, she, I, th- I think she, there was she, kind of depending she, on who you read, which journalist you read, there are kind of different accounts. So there's some. There's a quote saying that, um, is it it's some, maybe at a film festival? She's like, oh yeah, Kirsch was great. He did this and the other, and then, you know, That's a little bit later on. Interviews though, yeah, later on. Yeah, later on, mm-hmm. they couldn't stand each other, and she's a bit more. Maybe after he passed away, she's a bit more. Paraphrasing, because I can't find the exact quote. She called him like a miserable human being or something like mm-hmm. that. She really didn't enjoy the work. Um, so, yeah, Irving Kirshner brought on board for this. Paul Verhoeven, the same year, was on um, Total Recall. So he was busy. He was busy. <laughs> we know how that turned and, out. Yeah, I don't think he's a great one for sequels anyway, to be fair. Okay. And... Really, I haven't got an awful lot more to say about it than that, except that of the original three, this is by far the, the highest budget. This is a $35 million film. Last week, if you remember, was only uh, 13. It didn't take as much as the first film, so that that's um, part of it. And, and next week, there's a lower budget for a couple of reasons. Firstly, um, a reflection of this. But, uh, but secondly, Orion Pictures were in trouble. So Orion Pictures, this sat on the third one, sat on the shelf for a few months, certainly because uh, Orion were in trouble. Orion have actually resurfaced as a brand now, launched as a separate brand by MGM. MGM sort of hoovered it all up, um, sort of in the nineties, actually. So that's why the fourth film is an MGM film, but obviously it was still Orion at this stage. I've got a fun fact about Orion coming up at the end of the show. Okay. on the basis you might want to tell us about that and obviously where this was shot and things like that i'll say very little about that now. oh no no that's what no it's just um, it's one that features in the film itself so okay, absolutely okay um and really that's all i want to say in the sort of run into this film i don't think there's a great deal of story here i think the first one did very well was well thought of i think wrongly in some respects they thought they could sequelize um I don't think the first Robocop lends itself to sequels in a strange kind of way. Although this, the one at the end of this film is screaming sequel. It's screaming, you know, we're a going concern. 
Yeah, literally, uh, there's a cutoff and it's a cliffhanger ending almost, isn't it? It's like, oh. Uh, and it's that tension that we'll talk to a little bit when we get to the fourth one of what exactly is Robocop as a property? Is it a piece of satire and sci-fi? Is it social commentary? Is it a superhero film, a quasi-superhero film? And I think uh, you sequelize it in the hope that you've got a sort of form of superhero franchise. And I don't know that that's what the first film was. Um, there are, you know. I mean, yeah, there are routes you can go down a sequel, but I do get what you mean. There's something like very independently about the first Robocop film that you just think, well, you know, what what much more can you say, you know? Um, but for this one, they're definitely sort of taking a bit more of a, a mainstream approach, which is, I get you understand that, but it isn't done very well, in my opinion, I don't think. Well, I think the tone is all over the place because I think the film is at once doubling down on the first one and pulling its punches, which is a really strange way to go about things. I think they make Robocop himself actually a bit more palatable, strangely. <clears throat> but the world he's inhabiting is just without hope now, you know? And I, I find that... We'll talk about that maybe in opening thoughts as uh, and as we go through it, but certainly... It feels like a sequel to the first one. It feels like they're trying to recapture some of that tone. They're trying to take on some of the things they were talking on about in the first one, particularly Murphy and his family, particularly what Murphy is, particularly what OCP is. But we'll talk about it when we get to the John Wick franchise. That in the first John, I like, I love the John Wick franchise. I'm going to be very positive about those films, but I will have questions and. And doubts about some of it and, and one of the doubts I've always had about that sort of is that that assassins bureau that he works for they're in danger now and in fact they've probably already stepped over the line of making it so that you can't understand how anyone would ever end up working for them you know in the first film you, you buy that it's quite an extreme life and you buy that they're no nonsense and no compromise and have their bits of pageantry and ritual. But by the third film, it's like, th these guys are an absolute bunch of fucking assholes. Why would anyone ever got involved with them? And I think OCP in the first film, there was a certain degree of cynicism around them because they're private enterprise in what should be a public service. They were about greed and there were bad, there were rotten eggs in, in the sort of mix like Dick Jones. And even the old man, he saw a guy murdered in front of him and didn't really seem to care that much. But they, but by this film, it's getting to the point that you think, how did they ever get contracts? How did they ever, how did they ever maintain people working for them who are in any way decent? And they have one or two. Um, and I just think they're just pushing the, the, the sort of nihilism of the world just, just a little bit too far. Yeah, it's probably like sort of that nihilistic, you know, future, isn't it? Uh, where everything's crumbling and it's only like the, the big corporations is only really like the place where you can get anywhere. But, but then I imagine there must be like outside of Detroit, there's probably better areas. Do you know what I mean? I think it's the fact that, again, it, with the first film, Bodiger, I think, I think, I think that that group had been in and out of prison anyway, 
and we only saw them in limited circumstances like when they were taking places down or gathering after hits or whatever so we saw them in disused mills and warehouses and factories and Mm. things like that when you think about the first film outside of the offices the only comfort we ever saw was murphy's home murphy's home looked like a decent family home in a decent family street and um bob lived in some degree of comfort but in this film i'm hard pushed to find anyone who lives any kind of lifestyle you'd ever want even the criminal under underworld Mm. the bad guys in this film you never see you know if they're if they're selling a highly expensive designer drug and they've got control of this that and the other and in fact at one point they're offering 50 million dollars for for you know control of debt and stuff then i would expect to see them gaining some benefit in their life from that where's where's any sense of wealth and comfort amongst these people i, I think that's because ocp own everything so well. i think it's well good because like later on uh, where they're like making a deal with the mayor they're saying like well you know well make it legal and then so they can live in like wealth or poverty they can actually use that money to um to capitalize on it but i think because ocp is so overwhelming control of everything everything's everything's come now everyone's come addicted to nuke everyone's like robbing each other everything's just become crap basically um uh, and and that's that's probably the thinking behind it. I'd thought. Yeah, they want to run everything into the ground, don't they? So they can kind of borders it all and foreclose and say, right, we'll start again. Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at the first film, and some of them at least live in like reasonably recognisable, decent homes, mm. and things are bad. But they, you know, we get Robocop. It's and he's crumbling. New, and he's new, and he's fresh, and he's new to the world, so he's immediately starting to make a difference. In this film, things, if anything, have got worse, and he's having absolutely no effect. No. Which, you know, it, the start of this film reminds me a little bit of The Dark Knight. That's all that reminds me of The Dark Knight, by the way. It's it's not remotely of the same quality, but how they reintroduce him is very, is very similar to the way they show Batman in that parking lot in The Dark Knight at the start, you know, for Robocop's foot coming out of a car and oh it's Robocop and we're about to see him sort of have this little vignette of action to show what he does and reintroduce the character we saw Batman in like a parking lot going about his night's work and the first we see of him is his hand coming to shot and bend a gun mm. it reminds me of the same thing but through the dark night you see him you see the whether you like that film or not and like it's or like it's sequel or not they're putting in the building blocks of like an improved world, a better world. Um, not perfect, not sorted. Crime doesn't disappear, but they get some of the more unsavory elements under control. In this film, Robocop is pissing in the wind, which again speaks to a an essential confusion over what this property is. Is it a comment on a potential possible nihilistic future and extrapolation of the worst elements of the late 80s and early 90s or is it a superhero film well if it's a superhero film he's got to be a bit more fucking effective than this mm, yeah do you know what i mean yeah it's, yeah so i think it, it, it struggles for what its tone's meant to be and you've stuck it yeah. in the hands of frank miller who's naturally quite nihilistic anyway yeah it kind of has like a bleak um you know bleak worldview 
But I mean, that's just for just to sort of get my little bit out of the way, just for opening thoughts on this. It's not quite as bad as I remember, if I'm honest. It still has some of the satire of the first film, and we'll talk about it as we sort of go into it. A little bit more heavy handed, certainly. I think certainly the news items, it's like, well, you made the point in the first film. So, yeah, we, we get, you know, some environmental points and all the rest of it almost don't need to be made again. Um, I think. I don't like the way this film is shot in general terms in silly little things like the camera focuses on Robocop walking for too long in single shots. It's a bit silly, isn't it? It's like watching Crichton. <laughs> right. I think that, that's obviously I think that's where a lot of his movements came from, really. It's, I kind of I kind of see what going back and watching those old, old episodes of Red Dwarf. I can kind of see obviously it's various other robots from film and TV, various other cyborgs. Yeah, but, um, have, but I think I can see the, the movement is definitely might be in you know Robocop. Yeah. But it looks like by. Brighton, so he looks so clumsy. Every time he tries to walk somewhere, they put far too much foley. Does his left nipple play Jazz FM? Jazz FM. Um, <laughs> do the you know the, the little things like he walks in places and they've just put far too heavy a foley work on like his feet. So he's just loudly and clumsily walking everywhere. Um, but, you know, they try to continue some of the themes of the first film. Some of the family stuff at the start is very good. Some of the um, animatronic work's really good. I mean, it's not flawless, but it's good. It's really good the way they, you know, there are shots where you think, how did they do that? And you look for a few seconds and it's like, well, it's an animatronic of him, obviously. But it's mm. not, it, it's sometimes not obvious for the next couple of the first couple of minutes um having said that this film has pretty horrible stop motion and computer graphics in it um i understand the limitations of the time but i've always been a little bit if you can't do it don't do it and when we becca and i were talking a bit off air just before sort of chris joined us where we were talking about another way they could have done this and we'll talk about it when we get there but to make the face of the villain in the second Robocop a pure computer graphic was arguably a mistake. Um, and again, you've then got a human, not a, hu a humanoid man in Robocop fighting with a stop motion creature and it looks ludicrous. Yeah, by today's standards, I'm sure 1990 it was fantastic by today's standards. It used quite badly. Um, I don't know. I don't remember if it was good or not at the time, to be honest. I think we tend to overestimate um, certain paths of development and underestimate others. So you go back 30 years and think, oh, it probably looked good 30 years ago and the chances are you watched it at the time and went, that looks like Ray Harryhausen. Yes, that looks amazing. Uh, I doubt it. But having said that, having said that, the computer graphics you might have looked at at the time and went, wow, that sort of looks like a face. That's quite impressive. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, I find the nihilism of the film, I keep using that word and I'll try consciously to stop using it now, but I find it wearing. The film is about 15 minutes longer than the first one, and fuck me, does it feel like it? I've watched it twice in prep for this, and I was just tired of it by the end. I didn't hate it. I didn't have a terrible time with it. For a film that's got, you know, a 30% Rotten Tomatoes score or whatever it is, although that Ouch. would have been off significantly... Well, wait till next week, Becca. <laughs> uh, that one's... You know, it, it's off a much smaller sample anyway, as, as would be, but they've gathered what reviews they can find, and about a third of them are positive. Um, I've seen far, far worse, but it's a huge step down from the first film. At least it lives in the same world, but it takes what it thinks works about the first film and kind of gets it wrong. The satire worked and the dystopian future kind of worked, but not this dystopian. Um, Robocop is, is meant to be 
he's not much of a hero if he's having no effect whatsoever. They've tried to put humour in around his commands. And again, from the small sample I've seen, I'm not convinced Frank Miller can do humour. Um, I, I think I think um, Irving Kirshner is very good at slightly twee humour. In that, I always remember his commentary for um, The Empire Strikes Back. I don't. I think they assembled that commentary from lots of different interviews rather than him sat in a booth recording it. But it got to the bit where Luke was with Yoda on Dagobah, and they were in Yoda's little sort of cottage, his little hut. And he goes, R2-D2 is outside looking in the window, and, and he says with a hint of joy in his voice, look, he's on his tippy toes! Like that. <laughs> and I just thought there's a certain tweeness to that as comedy, and I don't think he's quite right for this. So we can kind of see, like, especially in the um, in the scenes with Robocop, where like he's had his brain, you know, kind of tinkered with and things like that, and he's like, "Oh, this is a good day," you know. Doesn't the moon look nice? And it's like, "Oh no, it's midday," and he comes out with these really asinine, yeah. really silly little sayings. And I I'm having that's... trouble. I- I'm having trouble. <laughs> And it's kind they, of like like quite. They do their best with the material, but I find it a quite purient. I mean, my, my um, tolerance to, to violence and gore, not horror, strangely, because I always find horror. I don't want to slate horror because, like, a that would be unfair and not a reflection of what I think, and b, I think you shouldn't really slate what you don't understand. And I think it's it's not a genre I understand as well as I should. I've got a bit of a blind spot for it. I don't think a recommendation or otherwise from me carries much weight in that genre because it's just like I, I don't really get the fucking appeal, to be honest. But certainly gore and violence, I've got a very high tolerance to. But it's got to be either fun or in service of something or to make you feel something and there are times in this film I think that's fucking unnecessary when the big sort of heavy overweight cop is being cut on the chest they linger on that way too long the bit where they um, go to sort of cut into um, Kane's head it's just they linger on it too long and then they hold his head up and they're having a conversation about like his empty face effectively and I just think it's all very what are you trying you're trying too hard to tell us something but i'm not sure what it is you're trying too hard to tell us um so i've we've covered much much worse but i have to say i didn't have a great time with it and i found it a bit of a slog what about you guys becca um yeah i'd never seen this film before (laughs) i didn't even know it had a sequel so i am the right noob coming to the series um although looking at the cast for the third film i kind of think i have seen it before it rings a distant bell um it's okay i would agree with david that some shots are a little bit silly like they focus on various aspects of his, his physicality a little bit too long um some of the comedy is kind of really well comedy in inverted commas um kind of laid on thick definitely i kind of doing a bit of reading around this film i kind of get the impression that this isn't the film that Frank Miller set up to make. It's kind of maybe the outline of it, the shell of it, but the actual body of it itself has been hijacked. Um, what else? Um, Tom Noonan, is, you know, he's considering he's the big bad, he's, isn't it that much? But he's still, you know, he's still very menacing. Um, he still cuts a very terrifying figure um, as Kane and later on as Robo Kane or Kane Bot. Robocop 2, literally. He literally is Robocop 2. I mean, the only, 
this sounds really bad, but anything I think is clever about this film, it doesn't quite have the. I mean, to give it credit, it is does try it tries to retain the satire, but it doesn't have that edge as the first film. Um, but obviously, that you know, the, the title is quite clever because not only is it the sequel, but it's also the yeah Robo Kane. So he is Robocop too, definitely. So I think, that, but for me, I kind of found that to be like the, the most smartest thing about this film. Um, Nancy Allen as well isn't in it as much. I kind of get the impression that all her scenes were left on the cutting room floor. I'm sure that probably wasn't happened, wasn't what happened. But I just kind of get the feeling. I think that she might have had a bigger role built up about it, um, but just sadly didn't happen here. Um, and there's kind of no real, I don't know, no real spark between them, I guess. Um, what I did think was interesting is you've got the relationship between the old man um, who here is literally just called the old man and you don't hear his name again. Um, and I Johnson. think we did at one point, but I can't remember what it is. Oh, okay. Maybe early I on in the film. I, thought someone I wasn't said paying attention. Was I was too busy waiting for him I, to appear. I might have got confused. They might have said Johnson, the other guy. I can't remember, but at one point I thought, oh, is that his name? And then I didn't follow up on it. But carry no. on, sorry. I think we heard it kind of briefly like in the first film as well. And then he's just you know, referred to as like the boss or the old man. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, I was kind of obsessed with following him and the character of Johnson um, because all the way through, um, I think probably until like the last 15, 20 minutes, basically copy each other. So like the body language is, is always the same. But they mirror think, each other, are they? They are, they yeah. are I, indeed. I really I, I, didn't notice that. I think that's, that's really brilliant. interesting. I just, yeah. I, I, I don't, I, well, I see kind of why they did it from um script point of view. He's trying to sort of take over as it were. Uh, but I just think that's really interesting. It's a nice touch. Um, and sometimes when things like, a, you know, at the risk of stereotyping, I would expect the woman amongst the three of us to spot that. <laughs> and me and Chris to go, what, really? <laughs> it's, it's probably something that's really obvious. And I kind of thought, hmm. I, 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 I didn't spot it, but I literally just read it before the recording by like looking at uh, Trevor. It's fact. like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's like, oh, there, there it is. And then Becca just confirmed it for me. So. There it is. There it is. Um, yeah, so it's basically, you know, if you kind of want to. I don't know, say if, if you're if you're on a meeting with your with your boss or something and you want to get a promotion or something, that's what that's probably what you would do, um, or avoid like grand gestures like that. Like I'm flailing wildly with my limbs, so don't do that. But yeah, they kind of mirror each other, which is quite interesting, I think. Um, or or sleep with him like uh, the the like the professor woman does. <laughs> that, that also works. Nudge nudge, wink wink, and all that jazz. Um. He just jumped mm. in the jacuzzi with him. Oh, <laughs> oh did you? Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah that's yeah, literally where he's in the jacuzzi. I literally thought of two things. One, um, Austin Powers. I, got, I, I actually no, that didn't, even, that didn't even occur to me. <laughs> yeah, three things. One, Austin Powers. Two, oh my god, it's gone from my head. You only live twice. You cannot. <laughs> yeah, you just obviously. say hitchhikers. Hitchhikers, yeah, literally. Just about time for another bath, don't you think? Right. By the old captain. Um, and also that Simpsons episode where he, he finds that um, fish bulb, they're kind of the Japanese cleaning solution, and he's like, D-, and, and there's the, the video from the Japanese business, businessman in the in the onsen in the in the spa. Hello, American investor, I hear you're interested in Mr. Sparkle or something like that. Oh. And I just I just thought, oh no. So you can kind of see, you know, all these kind of nineties, um, you know, references kind of bubbling to the fore there. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a real, 
I don't know. It's kind of like the, the sequel I wish I hadn't seen. Uh, kind of feels like. <laughs> oh is it? God! I started out thinking, oh yeah, actually, this is not so bad. And it kind of just went on a downward scale just, for me. I'm sorry, sorry. just just wait to get to World Cup three. You. <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. Although, I don't know. I look forward to seeing some people who I recognise. Well, but um, no, it's all good. But no, Tom Noonan was, you know, he's. His villains, you know, never boring. Um, and he's always fabulous to watch, really magnetic to watch. The only thing I thought about uh, Tom Noonan, uh, he's best known for Manhunter, probably. Mm, definitely. Francis Dollarhide, that, that version of Red Dragon, if you like. Um, the he's one of the best in the Hannibal series. The only thing I... I do you know, I, I, I'm always keen not to claim I've seen films I have seen or whatever. I only th- I'm not even convinced I've seen all of Manhunter, but I know enough of it to have seen. I've definitely yeah. seen some, but I, I probably have seen it all. But I'm not absolutely convinced. Well, if you have, even if you have, check, watch it again. It's well worth your time. Yeah. Not even, um, not even the great Ray Fiennes could live up to that tall shadow. But but the only thing, I especially directed by Brett Ratner, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that version is not as good. It's actually a, a good sort of test to like sort of do scene by scene comparisons and just see like, oh, there's actually a lot more going on, a lot more in, interesting shots in compared yeah, to well, I think the Manhunter version too. was a, was much more closer to the book, I guess. But I, I think the um, yeah the Tom Noonan version um, is definitely like one of the best, if not the best, in the series. I think. We'll, but anyway, we'll, I'm, I'm shooting we'll, off. I'm shooting yeah, off. We will get to a Brett no, Brett Ratner work before the end of the year. <laughs> uh, no, that's McGee I'm thinking of. Sorry, Brett Ratner we'll get to with the X-Men when we do that one day. Yeah. I'm thinking of McGee. But they kind of line up. In, McGee's a bit more fun than Brett Ratner somehow as a filmmaker, but they're both kind of... Shit. Like, like Charlie's yeah, Angels. They just lack it's vision. Film, but it's good this, fun. Is, this is where I get so frustrated with Michael Bay. Because when I watch a Michael Bay film, the sensibility pisses me off. His choice of material is... Lots of things about Michael Bay piss me off. But I can see some base talent level. Whereas, whereas when I watch McGee and Brett Ratner, I just go, how did you get where you are? You're not incompetent per se, but you're not you're not really showing any spark of anything. Well, at least McGee seems to be a decent human being and all right to work for, whereas Brett Ratner's proved quite the opposite. But um, yeah, but the only th- point I was going to make about Tom Noonan, though, was his character here strikes me as uh, Clarence Bodiger plus in that I think he's designed very like Clarence Bodiger but they've stuck a ring through his nose <laughs> so he's Clarence Bodiger but he's even more out there he's he's uh, yeah with added edginess I think with with Bodiger you had the intellectual level to him obviously with it with his specs um and not that you know Kane isn't clever because he is Kane's a junkie as well but yeah he's yeah he's kind of like for the for the people by the people in terms of for junkies by the junkies um, um, but yeah, he's he's pretty much the mayor made me laugh because with that nose ring. I don't mean I don't mean by virtue of his race. I don't mean that for a moment because he just looked like just... the most immature, irrational mayor ever. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. It's a coincidence. What's that again, Chris? It's bullshit. <laughs> Fuck you. See that old man? Yeah, he's kind of like that. He's just like <laughs> screeching, like like. How did you it's get elected? Yeah. It's a bit like it's a co- it's a coincidence they're of the same race, but it's a bit like if Mayor Goldie Horn had been given the job in 1955, not 1985. <laughs> you think I know it's an elected job, but you are fucking decades too young for this. Yeah, yeah he looks really young, doesn't he? He's yeah. 
Um, so, or maybe Goldie Horn, Mayor Goldie Wilson, <laughs> <laughs> somewhere else, someone else entirely. Mayor <laughs> Goldie Horn, that would have made the film more interesting. Anyway, that's that's my that's my feelings of, of this film by by talking about other better films. So that's my opinion. Chris, what did you think? Uh, it's basically made by committee. Um, it well, the frustrating things is like it seems to sort of sort of have ideas. I so, okay, where can we go next? Uh, and you, you know, it starts with Robocop dealing, you know, dealing with more feelings towards his family, and that's pretty much dealt with within five minutes. And then it moves on to oh, well, Robocop's dealing with like the the drug crisis, which is uh, which is destroying Detroit, and the, and the film kind of focuses on on the corporate side, and there's there's Robocop to contend to contend with, and you have Robocop getting. Um, uh, like sort of deprogrammed, so like that—that's a different idea that could that could have been stretched out, and none of them are really fleshed out. And it just felt like they had they had a series of ideas and just mixed them all together and tried to make something coherent. And it's it nothing really feels justified. It just felt like oh, there's another little bit, and then on to the next. You know, I mean, there there is an there is an interesting. Um, different villain to uh to Kane you know he's a lot more of a cultish kind of like lead you know he's very much you know yes he's a he's a junkie and he's basically uh a, you know ped- peddling drugs essentially but he has a little bit of a, a cult thing about him you know and none of that's explored and then once he goes into Robocop 2 it's just he always just another big mechanical machine with a with, with a with a tv screen firm face and it just think why you the know design's horrible it's yeah it you know and none of it makes sense the the flax character the the the, the professor who uh, designs robocop 2 um her ideas are just seem to be someone who is just fucking clueless are you, like nothing you know is it, i would even i would understand it if there was like some like malicious intent but that just doesn't but that's just not established at all, or it's just it's like, how the hell did you get in this position? You you know, none of what you're doing makes sense. Like, she injects Robocop with all these like different you know PC um, prerogatives, but yeah, is willing to put in like a one of the biggest criminals in Detroit uh, to, to control Having just drug. explained why Murphy worked, yeah, because he was good Catholic family man stock. Yeah. That's why he survived it. So let's put a fucking mental junkie in there. Yeah, I, and it's none of it makes fucking sense. And you think that you know it, it's just like you're just absolutely fucking stupid. And it does touch on the same issues of ownership and what makes a person a person and all that. The yeah. first one does, but like you say, it it spin balls about between all these different things and doesn't settle on them. Yeah. The one thing you just said about um, creating the Robocop two is I I can understand from a a film perspective of drawing out a distinction between the scenes. But they sat there watching these films of them unveiling Robocop 2, and then it goes wrong, and they unveil another one, and that Mm -hmm. goes wrong. First off, would they really sit and watch that with the guy who's just been shot? You could just explain what happened. But secondly, where's the design consistency? If you spend ages designing Robocop 2 
and it goes wrong, wouldn't you work on the programming, the donor that was inside it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Would, 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 would your next go a few days or weeks later just be absolutely like a page one rewrite? So yeah, there are things it's, like it's that. like what you're saying. It's like if if you're if all your critics talk about RoboCop as it you know as like oh it's the choice of person more than anything. Well, surely you just stick. You just look like more like actual RoboCop, wouldn't you? You wouldn't like sort of oh let's just have it, just put him in a big fucking. All that's left him is his eyeballs, for which I don't don't understand why because. Oh, where where do eyes. they go? Where do they go? You don't need them. It's meant to add pathos, but it just looks funny. It reminded me of Mars Attacks. Yeah. It does look a little bit like that. Um, I'm glad I'm not the only one. No, because I, I just looked at it and thought, what's this remind me of? And actually, if you showed me a photo from Mars Attacks, it doesn't look like that. It's just what it evokes. It, it, the only reason why yeah. it's there is, is, the, is that idea of 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 waking up from an operation and seeing your your like your, your em- empty, empty life, skull yeah. just, yeah. yeah. That's the only reason. And that's just purient as well because it, it, it makes those, I'm looking at that skull going is there any bones inside that wouldn't that just be like a floppy fucking mask at this like, that's meant to be a spinal cord um, isn't it? Um... there's no rhyme or reason behind a lot of it but in isolated vignettes you can see what they're going for mm. you go well I see your point there about you know is Robocop a being of his own at all if you're literally controlling his every mm. and like you say she's, she's got no discernible Ability, and uh, what's her vision? You know, what who she? It does seem she's actually quite loyal to the company. She's just willing to kill anyone or hurt anyone or get anyone in the company fired who does who gets in her way. She, but actually, she's quite loyal to the old man. A, 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 a character is basically sort of. I want to get a promotion. I'm just going to sleep with the guy, and I am fucking clueless about yeah. what I know. <laughs> On that thought, if you'd like a promotion, write to us and expect us to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> but but there are like that's frust- it's kind of like a frustrating thing because there are actually ideas of, like you could have like explored like Murphy's more descent towards how he used to be with you know with you know, developing more of his connection with his wife and and family and and, and that and so, which that... the remake tries yeah it, you know the. If they only made RoboCop and then they read a remake in 2014, I think we'd look at that remake differently than we're going to, the three of us, when we get there. Because, yes, it doesn't match the first film, but actually it gets some things right the sequels don't. And that's one of those things. I mean, watching it again, because I've watched it twice, and watching it again with only the vaguest memory of certain set pieces and certain thoughts and certain ideas and certain certain things when you watch the first act it almost feels like although this is a very 2019 way of looking at it i suppose it looks like you're going to be dealing with an an android a cyborg a, a, a robotic creature that's actually trying to come to terms with some kind of ptsd mm. and that's kind of interesting they kind of guilt him into sacking that off within a few minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's also like, you know, I mean, there is an interesting idea of Murphy making the objectionably moral choice by acting cold to, for, for, to, to send his wife off to, to, to get closure. Yes. Do you know what I mean? That's an interesting idea. However, like that, that just ends that story dead and you, 
you know, it it, it would have been it would have been a lot more if you if you if that was a lot more fleshed out and that happened later on in the film. That, that should have been Robocop too. Yeah, you still have you still have another story and some crime fighting and all the other things you need to have. Mm. But the thematic weight of the film should have been him. The first film is about him learning he's Murphy, if you like, and understanding that. The second film should have been him coming to terms with mm. the Robocop aspect to it. Yeah. In the first film, I learned I'm Murphy. In the second film, I accept I'm Robocop. And that yeah. does mean I have to give her up. Or the film goes in a different direction and says, we can integrate her into your life somehow. Yeah. Whichever you want to do. The, the sort of sequel falls between two stools on that a little mm. bit, but at least it addresses it. So that that's disappointing. But the, I think the problem is bits of this are... There are ideas here, and there's effort here, and this is not a cookie cutter. Let's just make a sequel. That it, it is. I think you're right. It's made by committee, and that people have sat in a room and shouted a load of ideas out, out mm. and they've all won. They've all got seen what, what sticks. But those ideas, I think, were probably presented with like enthusiasm. Mm. So there's an enthusiasm to this. You know what I mean? Yeah, which makes it more frustrating. Cause you just you look at think that would have been better had you had you given that more lease, or we would have had a better Robocop three if he just saved that idea for the next film, kind of thing. You know, if he yeah. just if if he just sort of like just thought this through, you you would have you you probably have a better yeah. better set of films. Whereas the only thing the only thing that seems to survive through all three films and I've not watched Robocop 3 again yet although I started it tonight my first thought was Jesus this looks cheap my first thought on the first scene was this has just been shot on the cheapest fucking poor, most poorly dressed soundstage you could find um, but the whole th- the thread that the film ends up finishing on is the whole relationship between OCP and the city of Detroit mm. And that follows into the third one. This whole, to what extent do you go to build Delta City and everything else? Mm. And I sort of think that's the least interesting part of the film. I think that's that's the backdrop to the film. That's not the foreground. It's the background. Yeah. But, but it's, it's the most consistent consistent thing, though, isn't it, in, in the film? It is the thing. thing. Yeah, it, it, to, the, to the degree that if you actually sat and read a props, plot synopsis of Robocop 3, bits of it you'll think, isn't that just Robocop 2 again? Yeah. You know, you will, because you just go, well, the, the city's bankrupt, and they're doing this to leverage that, and they're you know trying to force the citizens this, that, and the other in a strike, and you go, that's Robocop 2 again. Um, the end result is very different, and we'll cover that, well, I don't know, it might be a couple of weeks now, um, but we will cover it with the next film, but they've, they've focused on what's essentially scene setting as, like, the most important thing that they need to carry over, whereas I would have thought Murphy is the most interesting part, surely? Yeah. You know? And at times in this film, he seems a passenger in his own film. Yeah, because it's going to be about him. It's kind of not about him, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, there's there's chunks of the film, like, there's good solid, like, 10, 15 minutes where he's not in it. And it, it just feels like, oh, we're back with Robocop now. All right, okay. Mm. It, he's finally turned up. You know, we st- stop explaining the stuff with Robocop two and Kane and all that. Now, now, now we're back onto uh, Murphy. Okay, and then 
and then that's mm. it. It just ends with like, and also it ends with the the most um, cliched robot fighting a robot battle. Yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> I just think the, the way you, the way you, you've you've designed one being without thinking about how it's got to mm. interact with the other one. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's and a... and Murphy's like you know pure passion to get Kane. Like he's you know he's very much like he's on a mission to 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 to, to get him and you, and you're like well that's not real. Why other than the fact that he is a criminal? But what makes him different to anyone else to to Robocop? Yeah, Do you know it, what I mean? It, you start thinking at one point, is it penis envy? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, it could very well be like the 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 kid in his gang. You know, you could that that could have like driven it. You know, when the kind of but then again, that's it, a mess it, as well. Is that established enough? You know, it's just well, no, because this kid is a brutal fucking arsehole in, until his death scene, and we're supposed to sympathise. Yeah, that that is shot like we've just that you know that was shot like the death of fucking Pike in Into Darkness or something. Are you suddenly going how sad? Is fucking Robocop going to mind meld with him now? <laughs> uh, there you go. How would he even do that? Let's get into the specifics, folks. Shall we discuss this film sequentially? All right, okay. So we start with... Uh, Waiting 20 minutes for with... Robocop to appear. <laughs> we, we, Yeah, we start with an electronic car ad. <laughs> Actually, I was going to say, some of, the, um, some of the adverts, I think we've got three. I counted three of like really, really bad adverts. Um I prefer the adverts in the first film. Actually, I think they're kind of they're funnier and they're more clever and they're also more satirical, whereas these ones just seem plain nasty. Did you recognise? Yeah, well, we'll we will address that point. But did you uh, did you recognise the guy in the advert? John Glover. Yeah. John yeah. Glover. Known for dozens of things, include but we've covered him a couple of times. We've covered him in um, Batman and Robin. Yeah, I've seen him before. Uh, he was in Scrooge as well. Um, yes, I recognised him from Le Scrooge. He, he's really sh- good at being like that shit-eating executive advertising kind of guy, isn't he? That seems to be like the role he was born to play. Re- yeah, it's like I, think... I, I worry, wear down your battery. He's, a, he's got <laughs> quite a range, as long as that range includes being an arsehole, because he can play kind of snivelly, but he can actually sort of straighten himself off up, up a bit and be a bit more sort of like handsome. Mm. So he's he's actually got quite a range, but he almost always plays dickheads. I mean, well, in in Gremlins two, he's not really like, um, uh, he's not really a dickhead in a sense. He's just a bit mm-hmm. of a uh, a hyper gullible. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, he played the he played the Riddler in Batman the Animated Series. I've seen him in an episode of Frasier. I remember where he's a bit oh, of an yeah. asshole. I've seen that. That uh, I think yeah, that was the yeah. episode. That was the episode where um, he went to fire Frasier, and it just he got fired before he could do it himself. Quite an early episode. Um, yeah, I've seen him in loads of things, but yeah, to, to address your point on that, this Becca, yeah, this is um, when you think we live in a litigious society now. I can't imagine you could electrocute someone who's tried to steal your car and get away with it now. No. <laughs> but again, also, it... like are they, um, there's an advert for sun cream later on, and it says, oh, obviously the main point is like, continue use will cause skin cancer. And it's like, it's, literally, as we mentioned last time, you know, a lot of adverts, especially in America now, say, you know, ask your doctor if this is right for you, or, you know, mm. X product may 
have these side effects and it's one of those things isn't it it's like it will we have to declare it otherwise people will sue you i i, I the idea of the product the, the idea here as far as there is an idea is the product is more important than the person so you can kill somebody to protect your product and it's actually seen as a sales point and you can and the the filters between decent society and and sort of the rest has now eroded to the point that you can literally have an adult an advert where someone is dramatized dying and that's a sales point so i see their point but again it's it it's already and I'm probably over projecting here, but it's already in the opening minutes of the film. Like, yeah, the nihilism of this film is now on turbo that this society is so fucked. But um, I can, you can see what they're sort of trying to do. Yeah, I just love the the fact that you know the the uh, the sun cream is is kind of looks like Earth, so it kind of managed to have that blue and green kind of. Like, yeah, it does a little bit. Yeah, that's true. And like a a a, a and and a, 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 a use a pint and that will protect you for two hours or something. Stupid. <laughs> yes. Make us skin cancer. Oh, yeah, yeah, and you have that sort of small things that makes it actually fucking irrelevant. <laughs> it's all just a little bit further than the first film. Um, you know, with. If you think of the first film, they they advertised that sort of game, didn't they? What was the game called, Becca? You N- told us last time. I can't remember now. Newcom. Newcom. Yeah. That was it. Newcom. Yeah. And you think, well, that's wildly inappropriate for kids. It's pitched at the wrong level. It's trivialising world effects uh, events, but actually, it's just Pakistan's like it's, my border. It's a step too far. It, it's not like it's not a mile too far. It's still a it's still a, a sort of nuclear family just having like. Again, literally a nuclear family. <laughs> literally a nuclear family. Quite literally. Um, whereas in this one, it's no like if someone tries to do your car, you can kill them. Look, and and when they go to the news article, which is the same guy as as was the newsreader last week, he's he's in all three films, I think. And it it reminded me of the debate you have now about drilling for oil in the Antarctic. Basically, a nuclear power plant in the Amazon has melted down, <laughs> and you just think that's some heavy-handed satire, you know? When you like, think who would put a power plant in the Amazon? Like, that's like, like I mean, even the most, even the most like worst kind of like, you know, regardless of your political views, like, like think of like the worst type of person. Why would they ever do that? It's just like. It is. It's like have, it's like building deliberately building a sewage outlet into a reservoir or something. It's yeah. Just like, and then going, what's your problem? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that that sort of reoriented us and tried to sort of copy the tone of the first film, but a bit clumsier. But at least it's still trying to maintain a little bit of edge, I suppose. Yeah. Does the news tell us we're on um, the, about the strikes? Uh, yeah, we first we get like uh, Ed two and I to like keep mouth fun- keep mouth functioning, uh, and then uh, we get stuff about the uh, nuke. Uh, right. So we, so we we establish that we have like uh, you know Kane's message, which is pretty much like people want nuke. Gonna give it, <laughs> <laughs> or does he call it paradise? But that's basically it. He's there like. Well, it's it's almost Malcolm X like. Um, he uses a lot of religious poetry. imagery, a lot of what his you know biblical name Cain as well, a lot of um, religious language. Um, so he's basically kind of God slash Jesus essentially. If that's what they're going for, they fucked it up. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, not quite, um, quite not, not quite there. 
I, I the other thing that reminded me of um, Back to the Future Two was in Back to the Future Two, Griff and all that go crashing into the courthouse and they're like arrested and sentenced like two hours later because there's no lawyers. <laughs> this guy, the Surgeon General or whoever it is, gets shot presenting something on the effects of this drug. Oh yeah. And it was two hours before. You think you barely have got time to sort of of fucking told the family or anything. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's it's a bit like oh, all right, okay. Ouch. Yeah. T yeah. as you see it. But anyway, um, yeah, and then you get a bit about like sort of OCPD cutting the cost of the the police. Basically, basically making them go on strike. Basically. Yeah, they've cut their salary 60% or 40%. It's either 60% of what it was or it's 40% of what it was, can't remember which. And their pensions have been, like, removed completely. And they're trying to force a strike, it appears, at this stage. Mm. And um, I don't think... I could probably sit and explain to you why they'd want to, them to strike, but I don't think the film actually explains it that well at all. No, I I did kind of. I was thinking, hmm, I have questions. Well, you know, I mean, I, I imagine it's the kind of goal to sort of like put in their own Robocops or their own kind of thing on their own term, really, isn't it? I imagine that. that, that... And you make it, I think it's that you make the city less safe yeah. and all the rest of it so you can hoover up land more easily and all that. It's all a little bit nebulous. Mm. You could explain what it should be if someone said, with the plot of this film, they're forcing them to go on strike, why would they do that? you go, well, likely for this reason and that reason, but I don't think the film actually explains it very well at all. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, basically, we get like where a lot of level of crime, you know, but uh, we know we have like one one person getting robbed and they're getting robbed, and even that's quite nasty. Like, the guy gets like a stiletto in the face. It's like really yeah. like, kind of, actually, well, that, that's... That, that's quite ouch. Take your eye out. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, as Dave said, it's really nihilistic and actually quite uh, na- nasty. And then, you know, you have like a bunch of guys who look like they're, you know, you know, regular dads basically, or rob- robbing a gun shop uh, for because they're all hooked on this new drug called Nuke. Yeah. Um, and yeah, yeah. The, the 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 two guys reminded me of somebody, and I could of uh, two different people, obviously, but um, the two main guys reminded me of two people and I can only remember one by name one is obviously one looks like John Cusack very like Tom Cus- John yeah. Cusack oh, yeah. and the other one looks like a Hispanic actor whose name I cannot fucking remember oh and oh yeah really bo- yeah he's he's actually in all the things he's always yeah. plays that that bit um, character he was, um, he, he was James Martinez's dad in NYPD Blue but he was only in a couple of episodes of that, and then it will bother me because he's actually a really quite well-known actor. Yeah, he's he's in stuff like Heat as well. Yeah, Heat, Heat. Let me look up Heat. Yeah, I'll he's he, to you on that. he's he's one <laughs> of the guard. He's one of the guards at the beginning uh, of, of. It's not this guy. It's who he looks like. Is what I'm saying. But um, yeah, um, yeah. The the film Heat. It's um, I'll find that. But yeah. Um, I'm looking for it now to see if it is that one. It'll come to me anyway. But, um, yeah, this was all a bit... I I think, like I say, I'm not bothered uh, about depiction of guns in films. I'm not bothered about loads of violence, shot, wounds, all that sort of thing. 
But the level of it in this film is just like you're not showing any restraint whatsoever. No, it's just none. But thing so, it's not even like over the top, um, like gory violence like the first film. It's just very. It's just sh- it's the sheer amount of shots that are fired, not necessarily the effect. Yeah, because the damage done to like Peter Weller in the first film is like far greater than almost anything in this film. Yeah. So I'm I'm yeah whatever that is I don't know but um yeah there you go uh, so yeah this is um all to do with basically nuke isn't it yeah they're basically everyone's on uh, on on the stuff and everyone everything's descended into crime um which is basically basically it um yeah so Robocop turns up and and ki- and ba- and saves the day so to speak <laughs> um, he, he, he survives like uh, his car exploding and you know no marks on his face or anything at all it's uh, yeah they remarkable. never catch his jaw do they <laughs> no <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah and he, and he goes straight to like oh where did you get it he, go, he goes basically straight to the compound where uh, Kane and all that lot are so we're moving straight back straight to sort of like Robocop um Take, taking down like the place where they're actually making it. Yeah. Um. And yeah, Lewis shows up. One of the things that make me laugh though, the one of the first things Robocop does, he's stealthily as as you know, is as he can be, as he's big, hard, you know. He locks. You hear him coming. He locks two guys in the fridge, thinking, "Well, that's them dealt with." Like you know, can rest them later on. Lewis turns up. He is and banging, opens up, then he just has to kill him. <laughs> he just feels like he just undid any. any well, anyway, <laughs> it's a long action se- se- sequence for no particular reason. Yeah, but there you go. I think it's supposed to be showing us the you know him and Lewis working together. It's to reintroduce him. It's to show us how he fights crime, all of mm. that sort of thing. It's not wildly effective though. It, yeah, in- introduce the villain. Um... And stuff like that. So, um, and then we go uh, back to oh yeah, because we have the uh, introduction of the the kid, don't we? Uh, yeah. And, and he do what you know, do stuff like he can't shoot kid, so he shoot, shoots him in in the visor and then runs off. And that sends that sends his like thoughts about his son. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure about this kid, just as an idea. I, I think the idea is that we've become that unsensitised, like, you know, children are basically, you know, aren't innocent They're anymore. Running, running the show, running the joint. Uh, yeah, I think I mean, so, he, yeah. he might be in charge, but he's kind of putting... Yeah, I think, I think in terms of, the, like, the culture, everything's just gone, like, so... Gone so to the dogs really, yeah, it? so dogsy that like even kids are like this now, and then it's not even it's not even question. Yeah, kids are criminals. Even even kids are addicted. Mm. Um, I think that's the idea. Not sure how well it works, to be honest. Well, I mean, as as kid actors go, he's all right, but no, he's he's, he's menacing enough. I, I don't know. I mean, well, I certainly he's menacing with that like side parting and everything <laughs> with his greaser head. He, he, he plays um, as quite sociopathic for well enough. I suppose it's quite it's, it's quite dodgy. I mean, especially like here, and well, certainly in South Wiltshire, unfortunately, there is a big problem like with youth drugs and a, a lot of kids, um, you know, sort of teens, 14, 15, 16, you know, might might deal, for example, on the side. And it's just, it's just kind of you know a taste of things to come really. It's just kind of looking in the future that you know things have got so bad. Society is so broken. I hate to use bloody 
someone gets angry, sorry. <laughs> it's brilliant. You um, slam that desk, Becca. Sorry, slogans, damn you. But you know, it's, it's kind of you know a peak into society that is you know so broken down. Um, the uh, even the kids are, are turning to drugs, and it's just like, oh, god, really. But yeah, kind of un, you know certainly where I live, unfortunately, it is kind of something that's a little bit of reality almost, and it's just like, oh, you know, you kind of go to the movies to get away from it. No, <laughs> not so you're affected by. No, that you go to Robocop for some nice gentle. <laughs> yeah, nice gentle. <laughs> No, I know, I know. This isn't gentle at all. <laughs> this is ultra-violent. No, yeah. at least it's not as ultra-violent as, as last week. But, yeah, I, I don't know. He's, he's a good actor, though, considering he's, like, what, 10, 11, 12? You know, he's... Um, I, don't yeah, know if he went, I don't know if he went on to be anything particularly as an actor. Let me just look him up. He no, says retired sure. actor. He would have been about... Maybe Bugsy Malone, no. This, probably. Yes. Uh, he, he was making stuff into the 2000s i did actually yeah i do remember him in an episode of star trek the next generation oh okay yeah well, there we go. how about that yeah no he was I, yeah i remember that i think he i think he lost his parents today i think it was that episode where Roddenberry was complaining that he wouldn't have uh mourned his parents mm. you know it's like of course you were just stupid bastard yeah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's also like, well, well, if you, if you wouldn't, that that means everyone wouldn't, you know, that that kind of thinking, isn't it? He'd be grateful for her life. It's just, oh, God Almighty. Yeah. All right. Oh. I'm still looking for the name of the guy who was in NYPD Blue, who looks like the guy at the start. But never mind. <laughs> I'm, I'm desperate. He's such a well-known actor, but I can't place him in anything else to go. That's him. Yeah. I, I I think I think he doesn't have an IDB. Um photo as well <laughs> oddly enough no it's not oh, that actor i'm saying he reminds me of another actor just oh like i see the, just like the, the other guy reminds me of john cusack i'm not saying he is john cusack oh okay i got he you just reminds you of, yeah. yeah sorry i got you <laughs> fair enough the guy who looks like other guys see because that guy is actually in heat <laughs> this is the ones in this film anyway um, that's why i couldn't find him then i'm looking yeah. at heat going he's not here at all <laughs> <laughs> it, it's almost like um murphy's like searching for memories or following memories. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, the interesting thing is like what effect this would have on his wife, like getting like really almost like, you know, getting over the death of her husband. And it's like, you know, is he still alive or, you know, what's this doing to us? You know, that, that, that kind of thing. So th- 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 there's an idea there, but it's literally done within like five seconds. It is. Uh, uh, the first thing I noticed when he saw when he sees his son go past on the bike, he does have a junior Peter Weller hair cut. It's almost like you could go and buy the junior Peter Weller wig. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is a little bit. Because it looks exactly like him. I thought this should have just been so much the heart of the film. I really just do. I, I thought this was all really affecting. And it's done almost instantly. You're scaring the woman. And we're going to be in some trouble. Okay. Mm. So he comes in, touch my face, it's cold. Yeah, this was a tribute to him. Yeah. I mean, you can even see the things like, you know, with introducing all the PC products as kind of like the answer to that. Then you have the section of the film with Robocop being absolutely obsolete. And then him curing himself and getting the uh, the the cops back off strike to sort of get the ultimate... Got, so you know there is a story like already laid out there, but it's just sort of you know added all this other stuff, and you just think why? But yeah. 
Yeah, so there you are. Yeah, yeah so yeah, she she basically he basically tells her like, no, um, Murphy's gone, uh, and then like this looks outside. Looks like him, but it's a tribute. Then he looks out the window, and she's getting in the car and crying, and mm. you know, really kind of unsettled, which you would expect. But yeah, I just yeah, I mean, we, we I, I suppose I suppose we we need to move on, but. It's so tempting to just stay on this as like what it should have been, what it could have been. And I just think at, at this point, there's been some heavy handed imagery at the start of the film with it trying to do satire and not doing it as well. But it could have like recovered all of that here. And, and yeah. when literally she gets in that car, you go, well, that that's the heart of the film, just driving away. <laughs> There's your idea for the sequel, yeah. Yeah, that's it. There's, yeah, there it goes, driving away. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that we, we do move on to the Robocop 2 stuff now, don't we? By yeah. the way, listeners, just so you're not on tender hooks, it was Luis Guzman. Oh, right, yeah. The there we are. There you go. The guy that's, who was in all the things. The guy who was in all the things. Uh, yeah, we also have a, an ad for featuring a suicide. That Oh, my God. That was the worst one for me. I just, I, I, I know, obviously they're meant to be satirical, but I was just like, oh my god, I meant to have that big account, and then I just, oh, and then he shoots himself. I thought, bloody, hell. I thought Nukem was bad. Yeah, you don't see anything, but it focuses on like the picture of the child. Yeah, so, and then you just sort of see his body out of focus just fall away. It's it's Ouch. all very heavy-handed, isn't it? That yeah. is the eighteen certificate right there. But but also it's also a bit cliche, you know, like the businessman who who who, who gets like bankrupt and then came, and he immediately jumps out the window. It's 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 almost like a cliche at this point, isn't it? Yeah, it, uh, Python did a um, a parody sort of sketch of that, didn't they? It's like there's there's two executives at the various like middling floor of the building and all these other executives fling themselves off, and yeah, it's like who was that? Oh, that was Johnson. Oh, oh no, that was Smith or something. <laughs> has Murphy interacted with the bad cop yet? He hasn't, has he? No, I mean we we do see him. Um, we do see that bad we do, cop, do, though, do, don't we? Yeah, we do see him like sort of like you know uh, later on. I think we get uh, introduced to OCP uh, and the mayor, and they talk about basically sort of privatizing the city, and, he, and this is where, as you say, he's a very young, energetic uh, chap who just doesn't seem like mayor material. He's like, yeah. he is the mayor yeah. from Back to the Future, but you know, just. It's, but it isn't the mayor from. It isn't the mayor from Back to the Future. It's his grandson that was selling flying cars. Yeah. You know, for only thirty nine nine ninety nine ninety five. That's what. That's what that was. Yeah. Very hyperactive performance. Really strange. Yeah. Very odd. Very odd. Um, do we get onto the Robocop two stuff yet? Uh, yeah, we have like they're testing it. They're testing it because uh, they, they've all, all of the uh, times they they've tried to get more Robocops. It, it just hasn't worked. Um, uh, so we have the the the, the gag of, of testing a couple of Robocops, and you know one just like just just ends up shooting themselves or kill it or some some degree. The, the Again, biggest this is meant to be funny. Yeah. And it... It's not. It's it's shot comedically, like they're all stood there waiting. You know, it's a bit like it's almost once you realise what's going on, i.e. 
they call the they unveil the first one to fanfare and it walks through and like shoots them and shoots itself in the head and stuff which doesn't bode well you think shouldn't it be a bit more you know resistant to bullets than that it's just crazy. shot itself with a handgun but not only that when it cuts to the second one it's set up like it's black adder or something you know where, you know the oh, bit yeah. where he comes through the door and goes, sorry about the bag, didn't have time to say. Where they're all stood around waiting for that to happen. That's what the second reveal feels like. You think something really silly and comedic is going to come happen. through yeah. that door now. And there's no design consistency between any of them. No, no I, I think the, the second one does look a little bit more sleeker and perhaps maybe more streamlined, but that's about it, really. Um, it's basically a skeleton. It is a, yeah, it just kind of takes off the big cow bit sort of thing. It's like streamlined than a skeleton. To me. No, it reminded me of like um, oh god, like, I'm gonna have to look this up because I can't remember. Like back back in the nineties, I think probably in the late nineties, um, there was a a video game. I think music by Brian May. I think it was to do with like robots fighting. I'm gonna have to look it up. And I think one of them did look a little bit like that, and it's like it kind of takes off its helmet, excuse me, and it kind of goes <laughs> makes a screechy noise. <laughs> And then you know shoots itself or decapitates itself or something, and I, I just think, what? <laughs> what the hell is going on? You, you meant um, to laugh at that, Becca. <laughs> you know, I, I was laughing at the bizarreness of, of the graphics and just how strange it all is. Um, but again, I think it's one of the. Um, I think that they tried to kind of um, put a, a moral moral spin on you know is is he kind of man? He's a machine, you know. So in, in the first in the first film, you know, there was kind of like the eth- ethical dilemma, you know, just because he's Alex Murphy is essentially dead, so we can mm. do what we want with his body, basically. Um, and here it's pretty much, you know, pretty much the same. You know, he's he's dead. He's, you know, are there other machines or do they have a soul? Are they are they human? Or see, you well, know, there's, there's a, a recurring line in the film. They're, they're fighting it. They're fighting it. The, the the whatever's left of the beings that have been put into these machines. Mm. they're fighting it the first yeah. one tries to kill itself the second one is almost like it's almost like taking off an oxygen mask in like space or something it's yeah like, it's very much suicide. like that, it? um so there's a point but then they just then they discuss first off it's a strange thing to sit and watch because they're showing it to the old man and johnson is sat there and he was on he's on the screen and you think they're watching it like they don't know what's about to happen <laughs> But it's then the fact that, like... Yeah, let's see a video of all our failures. Yeah. (laughs) But there's no hint of, this is going to be bad, sir, but, you know, we can work with it, but we owe owe you to show you this. There's none of that. There's just immediately like, oh, let's have a look at this thing, right? (laughs) But then they discuss it, and it's just... It's like several people have worked on this script, because... We get, well, it worked for Murphy. He comes from Irish Catholic stock, good morals, etc. That's why it worked with him. And seeing where the film goes, they don't follow up on that at all. Yeah. You know, is there a world where, it wouldn't be this film, but is is there a world where they put someone in the Robocop? um, I'm thinking of episodes of Star Trek. There was an episode of Star Trek where Kirk was sort of split into a good and evil half. It's kind of funny. It's the one with, I'm Captain Kirk. I'm Captain Kirk, that one. And um, There are four Kirks. The the, the whole sort of, you know, the the, the denouement of the story is that Kirk needs his edgier bad half because the good half 
just has no decision making. He can't do any. He can't make any of the difficult decisions. He's just mm. too soft. He needs. He needs his evil side. Even though, when combined with the good side, it's not evil. It's just a balanced human being. And I think, well, is there something where you do put like a good guy in the outfit, and he's just too good? He just, you know, he can't. He can't do it. He hasn't mm. got that cutting edge. I don't know. There's all sorts of ways you can go with this, but they set up this idea of you need another Murphy and then don't follow up on that at all. Yeah, because the creeping female um, professor kind of kind of makes that point, and then and then do you and mean then, the I, lab tech, yeah. or do you mean um, facts? Facts, right? Because because yeah. facts makes that point, and then says um, <clears throat> you need to find someone who would welcome this. Um, welcome this power, or, or, or welcome this opportunity. Which is not what you just said, because yeah. Murphy didn't fucking welcome it. What you've basically said is you've you've tried to come up with a statement to explain to the audience why they didn't work, and they didn't. They need to not work because you need an excuse to put Kane in there. Mm. Your excuse for it not working is they're not as good as Murphy. But your moral at the end of that story is they need to welcome some. They need to welcome the opportunity and power, which is not what Murphy did. I I guess the thinking is the idea that Murphy isn't quite perfect because of like the um, because he still wants his family in that. Yeah, that or or, or that thing. So they're, they're right. still looking for okay. like. I've never thought of that, Chris. And actually, I think you've just hit at what this film's trying to do in failing. Yeah. Right, what what you've just hit on there is actually how it should have been written, which is <laughs> which is it fails because they're not as good as Murphy, but we improve upon what's just happened with Murphy, and she should be making specific reference to what's just happened with his wife, hmm. and saying, well, the way we get around that is we 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 get someone without those sort of attachments who would actually welcome the opportunity, and actually someone we could control. Yeah. And then you start hinting it possibly an addict. Yeah, so you should sort of maybe sort of maybe not look outside cops kind of thing. So you like that. So at first he might say uh, a good round rounded. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that sort of. No, I don't know. But yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Well, it could um, be an ex-soldier. It could be. It could be an injured soldier. It could be anything. Yeah. Or or, or basically look someone with no uh, family connections, but with kind of like the the yeah like a soldier kind of thing. Well, okay. Basically, basically, you want someone like Bond. Basically, James Bond. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Orphans make the best recruits. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, basically, we'll have a horny, drunk recruit. <laughs> yeah. I've got some deep water. <laughs> and on top of that, he'll make some quips as he's... <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Okay, so where do we go from there? So um, there's an awful lot of facts get pissing everyone off, really. Yeah, um, and then yeah, so there we get your, you know, your your, your crooked copies on the the nuke. Um, Robocop tracks down the uh, the young kid uh, where they're meeting with the, the the other cop in that kind of arcade kind of place. I think that's what I meant. This is just yeah. like the shittiest environment for people who are actually really wealthy <laughs> but, yeah. um, there you go um, the actor who played this officer Stephen Lee uh, died at the age of 58 Oh, that's a not so fun fact I was yeah. going to say was it a heart attack 
yeah, it was. Oh but, God. Okay, so yeah, this this is um, this is the this is the first shot where I thought they're focusing on Murphy far far too long, walking around. This is all very clumsy. Him coming in to this place, but yeah, he him and Lewis effectively kind of stormed the place, don't they? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, basically, just, they they just go in and there's a, a bit of a fight, and um, there you are. Uh, uh, Robocop, Robocop catches the uh, the other cop and um, basically beats some information out of him, yeah. which is where it's Kane. Uh, Lu- Lewis has a has a fight with the the kid and uh, the other henchman, but um, he ends up getting away. Again, I'm looking at this thinking. I don't know how much his first, second unit and whatever else on a Star Wars film, but like Irving Kirshner's mm. better at shooting action than this. It, even the action in Never Say Never Again wasn't that bad until the final act. You know, the bike stuff he filmed and all that wasn't too bad. But there you go. It's not great. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm never convinced... The way he's beaten the confession out of him is not... They, they, they're sort of pulling their punches, but not. You can't have him too violent against a serving officer just for getting information but he's got to scare him enough to get that information. Mm. So he's sort of pushing him into these arcade machines, and it it, you know, it doesn't look great, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, they go off for Kane, don't they? Yeah, and Robocop goes straight to... He goes, where's Kane? And he sort of takes him right to, like... The... Where they always end up, some disused foundry or something. Yeah. That and, just seems uh, to be where they go. Yeah. Criminals. And, of course, it's just a big ambush. Yeah. Because, like, obviously the kid got there, and then said, "Oh, Robo will probably probably be on his way, so he probably set a trap for him." Um, so yeah, the uh, Robocop turns up and they uh, basically dismantle him. Um, I think all I want to say about this say the dismantling goes on too long, and again, I don't mean from the perspective of mm. the violence bothering me particularly, but it, it was almost. It was edging towards torture porn. It was like I get, I get the fucking point. Yeah, you're cutting him up. It's fine. D- d- there you was don't like... really, you don't really see that much. So no, it's I... not. Yeah, it's not the violence. It's the lingering. It. I think the idea was was kind of like I think it was kind of doing similar to the the thing where Robocop was made in the first film. What from his perspective? Yeah, keep blacking it, out. Keep it, seeing... it was that kind of we'll 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 we'll, we'll do that, but it will we'll turn it on head, and it's like it's almost like. Him getting deconstructed. He goes out the same way he came in. Yeah. Alright. Still crap though, isn't it? But yeah. Doesn't make it any better. You know, I'm I'm only trying to like, you know Um think about what what they're trying to go for. That's twice now you've gone well probably that and I've gone Yeah, alright. <laughs> that makes sense. So I hadn't thought of that. Okay. Um what I will say is one of the few things I remembered from Robocop 2 because I reckon I saw it in I reckon I saw it when it was very new on home release and I was at an age, I mean I wasn't 18 but I was at an age then where no one would be that bothered about Dave, did you watch it, it underage? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, fucking everything <laughs> I, know, I know, I know but, um, uh, but no, this this would have come out on home release in like let's say 91 because it was normally about a year and I seem to remember, I was saying to you last week how my father was like mm, Robocop well, I think by then he'd heard it was a bit better than that, and he rented Robocop 2, because I remember watching it with him. And my father and I are very, very different people, but one th- we both share that slight, oh, kid actors kind of attitude. 
he was a bit like that as well. And I know that when he saw more so than me, because like if they're really good, I'm like fine, but it's just the knowledge that most of the time they're not. And um I do remember that he had a real problem with the kid in it. He was just like, Oh, that's fucking ridiculous. And I kind of agree. And with the silly slicked hair with the side part in it, it all looks wrong somehow. But um I don't remember much about the film. I remember that. And I remember the drug going in the neck. And I remember some of the ludicrousness at the end we'll talk about. Um, but the one thing I do remember is when he was dumped on the side outside the precinct in pieces. And I just remember thinking what a phenomenally good effect that was. If you look at it for a while, you can see it's an animatronic because it's always given away by the way the eyes move. But given he's meant to be a robotic creature anyway, um, it really works, I think. Mm. Yeah, I think I think I think it's you know it's quite haunting him seeing him go. You know, it's almost like the the part of the the humanity of him just kind of oh, that's just fucking cruel. Um, and, and also, I think it kind of like softens the um, the cops towards him because right now they're just seeing him as well, the, potentially their replacement. Uh, well, he's a being in pain. Yeah, and they and they, yeah and, they, and, they, and there's a little sort of. Sense of sort of sympathy there. Uh, and we go that yeah. So we get have that, and we go to facts, basically looking at criminals, and the the scientist guy going, uh, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> yeah. So we have um, Flex looking at looking at sort of like criminals that you know, thinking, "Oh, uh, that that would be a good idea." <laughs> uh, yeah. The thing is, right? You got the guy who's who's like um, the lab technician sort of guy. Hmm. Who's saying to her like I, I'm not putting up with this and all the rest of it and she's just bullying him basically mm. um, I never used to watch the show but to look at he reminds me a little bit of that bloke I know who was in Ali McBeal yeah uh, Peter, Peter McNichol I think his name is Peter McNichol yeah. yeah Peter McNichol I've um, seen him in other things the, yeah, Ghostbusters 2 um, Ghostbusters 2 that's it um, um, Dragon Slayer yeah um, he, he, he's got that vibe to him although he's like balding and stuff but it's very very similar and mm. um i mean it, it, essentially everything out of that guy's mouth is accurate he's just going this is ludicrous we can't have this mm. and and he's like well i'm gonna go t- take takes the top you know johnson's just looking for excuse to fire you and it turns out that she's like kind of you know She's banging the old man because it does cut to the it does cut to Johnson going in to see the old mm. man in that ludicrously big room with a hot tub in it. Yeah, is that is that time is that uh, is that time uh, where ev- ev- everyone with a hot tub has stylized like it's Japan? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like you can't it, have a hot tub, but it has it has to have the aesthetic of Japan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, you expect um, him to get stabbed through, like, the... <laughs> That's, yeah. It, it, I'm thinking of, um, what's he called from you, uh, you Only Live Twice? Dicko Henderson. Yeah. Yeah. I expect him to get stabbed through through the uh, partition walls. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's washy paper. Again, I, this is what I'm, I'm talking about, that Johnson's not a bad guy. He's he's a little bit complicit in that, like I think he knows he's not working for the most morally scrupulous people, but he's not a villain, right? Yeah. And I just think OCP in this film is just pushing it slightly too far. That even in the first one where the guy's killed in front of him, he could he could go well. That's an error. It's gone wrong, and it's it's brutal, but 
something's just gone wrong. At the end, where Dick Jones is killed, Johnson is visibly like, yes, right? Yeah. In this film, you are like, why would he ever work for OCP? Why would he ever, you know, I, I know they control that town, but there are other towns. America's a big country. Yeah. Um, I... I, I just think the film is just pushing it a bit too far. Even the old man sat in the hot tub in some respects. It's just a little bit like, it's it's all a bit indulgent. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it, it is like we've seen it before, haven't we? You know, it's sort of yeah. kind of like, yeah, I'm a, it's the typical movie head of executive just like yeah we're just gonna you know do these dubious things and what of it um but the point is he goes in to say the old man this is what they're trying to do you shouldn't do it and she walks in in like a robe Mm. and she's obviously like having an affair with the old man to keep him sweet didn't notice any of the mirror and becca mentioned but like entirely believe it just didn't pick up on it at all um that's that really then i suppose we cut to uh so yeah fax is just allowed to get on with it really yeah. and then um, she, and then she implements all these different things like sort of that's she's... the point we cut straight to all this stuff around murphy and his commands and rebuilding him mm. uh, the one bit that i think is mirroring the first one is there's at least a, a look an attempt to look at the humanity within the robot some understanding from the people in the precinct that this guy's in pain or this being whatever it is it's either a man a machine or some mixture is in pain mm. um but obviously yeah he's he's put they don't even know if he's going to survive because he's on minimal life support yeah. and stuff like that like but talk about, oh we just you know you know we might decide just to scrap him you know it's our yeah. property i'm not uh, really quite sure why they don't i'm not quite sure why fax has any uh, sort of skin in the game in terms of like rebuilding him. Probably just like oh, just you know, mess about, see if this works. Oh. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, mean, a, a, a I think it's isn't... the film going. She's nasty, isn't she? I think that's all that is really. Yeah, a lot, or, yeah, I, but it, to us, it doesn't come across as like nasty. It comes across as you're you're just um, morally bankrupt, a bit ambitious, and fucking stupid. <laughs> So, yeah, she, they, they have this meeting where they're talking about different programs and why doesn't he speak out on environmental issues and shit like that. And everything they're saying, she's going, yeah, fine. Johnson comes out with, like, a really facetious one and she's like, great idea. And so he's programmed with 300-odd commands yeah. for everything. Yeah, really stupid ones. Yeah. One of, one of which I've actually got a fun fact about later on. Okay. Yeah, and she was told it would be like you know, this, would, this would be too much, you know. You put in something, she's like, "Yeah, no, we're fine." Um, so yeah, so they real build him with all these new commands, and he is effectively useless in the field. Well, we're di- basically we, we're basically coming to the comedy section of the film. <laughs> yeah, he kind of takes the um, the softly, softly approach. Isn't the moon lovely today? <laughs> yeah, it's middle of the Murphy, day. It's the middle of the day. Yeah, and, and then I'm he having reads- trouble. Then he reads uh, rights to a corpse. A dead guy. Yeah. Guy who's just yeah, been right shot, through the, oh. shot through the head. And he's saying strange, you know, there's some kids and he just goes over and like interacts with them and very strangely. And matches oh, them like a two in the, <laughs> or whatever. The yeah, was it kind of, he, he really mixes up his kind of, you know, sort of words. Yeah. like, oh, um, what is it? Not a, not a bed and Hansworth two in the bush sort of thing, but like yeah, that but mixed with another. It mixes it up with other ones, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite really random. And and then um, and then he uses excessive violence to 
to shoot around a guy who's smoking. <laughs> like in non- <laughs> Thank you for not smoking. Yeah, now I didn't get this on first viewing because he was looking over at the kids, so I thought, does he think that guy's going to hurt those kids? And it's not that at all. I thought he shot all the children, but no. No, he just shot around the guy. <laughs> so really strange. And they, they basically um, decide that he decides he basically needs to give himself a massive zap of electricity to try and short out the system. Yeah, that's what like, that is. To a... like, why? Like, you know, you know, you know, because nothing we've seen here knows that Robocop's actually himself anymore. Because it's it's like it's it's no end of like the you know the conscious of Murphy trying to fight it or or really grasping to struggle with it. It's when Lewis says to him, and she's like, "I'm in trouble." That's yeah, it. we 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 have those like you know sort of set of you know scenes or sequence or whatever, and and then literally next scene is oh. Um, he, he's back at the station. It's like, oh, he's put ejected of all, all this stuff. Well, how 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 do you stop it? Oh, we'll take a big massive surge and of electricity. So so Robocop just goes, all right then, <laughs> based on what? <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, well that's okay, well that's like some idea. And now it's just like like with the beginning bit with, with the wife, it's just done in five seconds. I know the whole thing about that. I mean, wouldn't we should have had a whole act of the film of him like this? Yeah. Not one scene with wasn't that funny. What do we do about it? Quick zap of electricity yeah. back to normal. Oh, and by the way, we've erased the original three as well. Which again, if you've erased Directive Four, that's fine. But the original three were sensible enough to protect the you know serve the public trust. Best get rid of that then. Yeah. So to, so this is this should have been like the entire middle act of the film, and you would have had the beginning bit with like Mur- Murphy Murphy and his wife doing that. You got deprogrammed. Uh, you know, other stuff, other stuff going on, problems with the cops and and whatever. Crime goes down while while Robocop is basically ab- absolute while um, COPD trying to uh, privatize everything. And then not he... called COPD. Sorry, OOCD. Sorry, sorry. That's a dynamic. That's a dynamic thrusting young company, isn't it? It's uh We'll take your breath away. It, it's my it's my it's my it's my it's my nurse training like printed on my it brain is. at like O C P just like <laughs> anyway. anyway erectile dysfunction dude. <laughs> not quite not quite C O P D, not quite O C D. Anyway Anyway, so Yeah, so that that that, that seems like a good sort of compass for the film really doesn't it really you yeah. think uh, it's all around that theme of like how much of it is him how much of it is the robot how much do they control him how much can he control his own fate there's, yeah. a, there's a through line there and they're about to like create a second cop is that moral has has he evolved far enough or at least settled enough into his new life mm. that you can now say right it's moral to proceed with an up with an upgrade and a new version, you could have had like the Robocop two with like Kane actually end up going back with the criminals. Yeah, and and that had been like your last act. And then it's how much do you accept that that we've you know we've we've got our guy they've almost got their guy that yeah. you cannot deny basic human nature. Yeah. So yeah, so again, again, we just made a better film. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm writing on it, so throwing some blowjobs. <laughs> there we are. So, um, yeah. 
that's, that's Chris's stereotyping of me, by the way. <laughs> Watch frozen blowjobs. Yeah, yeah no, I'd be tip wank, obviously. <laughs> Carry on. For good measure. And why not? So, um, yeah, so, yeah, Robocop sort of fries himself. And he goes, right, I'm cured. And he gives like almost like a rebel rousing speech. Are we cops? And they go and and they go and get as a rousing speech goes. I mean, I I think I think there was a bit more to it. Yeah, I mean, yes, right, good. (laughs) Right, well, let's go get him. And they they all go and get Kane, basically. Yeah, they do. Um, I think the only point we'll skip. I mean, obviously, just on running time and so on, just to get this bit done. Kane now ends up in a critical condition in hospital. Mm. Uh, the least critical critical condition I've ever seen. I d- I yeah, it's, it's I, not very critical well, condition, that, I wouldn't, is it? I wouldn't expect people on life support to be quite this responsive. No, he's he's very responsive. He's just he's just laying in bed, like looking around and all he's the rest. Like, yeah, of it. With a bit of down his goes, throat. I know, and then she goes to switch off his machine, and he reaches out like, "Don't do that." It's like. Do you really need life support? Are you really you in critical condition? You look like you're kind of supporting yourself quite nicely there. It's like, yes, you do need that support, don't you? Mm, yes. <laughs> she comes in and switches off his life support fast. <laughs> and, and then you sort of like hear the voice in the background, I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I'm not dead that. yet. Oh, yeah, because yeah, he can't talk because he's got the tube down his throat. Well, yeah. That was just measuring my heart rate. I don't know what he switched off. <laughs> Yeah, she does ring it in first. She says, "I'm afraid he's dead," and he's lying there, hearing that, and going, "Oh my god, what's going to happen? You've got six minutes. They've got to harvest the brain in six minutes." Which again, Chris, is that true? When you last harvested a brain from a criminal, Chris, <laughs> did you have six minutes? <laughs> I, 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 th- I think, I think the going way is fifteen. But um, obviously, since technology has improved since then, uh, I think that's probably why. So. <laughs> Well, they have to do it quicker that makes more sense surely they'd have half an hour now or something anyway it doesn't matter the point is when we take the break all of this is kind of gratuitous and again it's not unsettling particularly i don't think it's it's not even that it's graphic it's just lingering you know we see them draw on the brain they see them we see them put the drill up to it you know we we then see the fucking brain and sort of mm. you know nerves and, and, the, you know, and the, the surgeons are like not really knowing who, who he is they're thinking oh he's always oh, a volunteer or what a guy kind of thing yeah and then they're holding up the the empty skull, which yeah. isn't really a skull, and talking about it, and it's all a bit like. And then you get a close up of the eyes, and it, all it's missing is like a tear coming down or something, <laughs> even though it's in water. Because they actually try and make like the brain with the eyes on the front look sad, which is just really yeah. funny. So we have the beginnings of a RoboCop two, basically. But the other thing I find quite funny is we see a um, a telethon. Which is basically somebody playing the violin through his yeah. legs upside down and shit like that. Born to be wild, yeah. Born to be wild, which is quite funny. And I love the fact that they've got a target of $37.5 million and they're at about 4000 <laughs> which is quite funny. But this is the, this is the um, city and the mayor trying to get themselves out of debt to OCP. Mm. Never quite explained how they're in debt to OCP. I'm presuming they've not paid for services. But I, OCP I, I think um, I think it was literally they yeah they, they they missed the first payment of services and the contract said, Oh well, well we can take over that. 
and they just signed they signed the contract agreeing to that and they didn't read the contract properly or um Would, yeah but OCP have engineered this mm. but the film is not entirely clear on how yes they they they're happily perpetuating like a town that's in difficulty but I don't know if I don't know I know conceptually all the reasons you would do that but I'm just talking about how the film tells the story. Yeah. I'm not sure if the film is telling us they're doing that in order to build demand for Delta City. I don't know if they're doing it to force people from their homes. I don't know if they're doing it to force demand for, like, a Robocop 2. I don't know if, you know, it's the same with the strike. Are they doing it to increase crime? But why are they? What do they want to increase crime? Is that literally to build demand mm. for Delta City? Is it that they can then demand more powers? It's not entirely spelled out to us and I think it's because all of those reasons are true so the film doesn't know which one to present to us mm. and yeah so well yeah yeah so we have the kid takes over the gang uh, so he's they want to buy out the debt from OCP they want to buy out yeah. the city's debt basically um, again that's to take OCP out of the game not really sure why I, I'm presuming that's to get that that's to get nuke on the streets, mm. I think, partly to get police sort of it, out of. It's the legalized drug argument, isn't it? You know, like I think so. With legalized drugs, it'll be cheaper, it'll be safer. Everyone, everyone wins. You know, kind of thing. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, while the, he meets with the mayor, doesn't he? He meets with the mayor, and, and then the Robocop Two shows up and slaughters everyone, including the kid. Yeah. Uh, the kid, and then Robocop turns up to have like a tender moment with the boy who's been a complete fucking psychopath all the way through. But there you go. Yeah. The mayor gets away. Uh, uh, the boy's dead, so the deal is dead. And I think we go straight to the old man calling that sort of press conference, which has a lousy yeah. turnout. He's in, yeah, not he's, great, is it? He's in what looks like a oversized lecture theatre, really. Um, and the first, like two first two rows filled. The first two or three rows, something like that. It's hardly anyone there, and it's got a model of the new Delta City, which again was more than a was that was a concept announced in the first film. It's a, there's a bit of arrested development in the series going on here. The first film had Delta City. It had been announced. They knew what it was. It had been designed, and now they're announcing it again, sort of thing. But fine. Yeah. And then they introduce uh, Robocop 2, who's kind of like brought out from under the floor mm. or whatever. Green bot. Um, and again, it, I think it's just basically saying he's going to deal with this problem with Nuke. And he's going to, you know, be a replacement for Robocop, who's done a wonderful job and all the rest of it. And he shows the he shows this canister of Nuke, which we've already, we've already had uh, facts sort of wave in front of him and demand... Mm. Facts. That's how he ended up going to sort of try to kill the mayor. That was facts. Oh, facts. Yeah. So yeah. Um, basically, Kane goes mental and starts shooting the fucking place up. Yeah, because Robo Robocop turns up and um, and goes Kane. Um, yeah, that's a really good impression. But, well, that's 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 another thing because the stupid thing with the you know the lawnmower man type you know screen face. Is yeah, it's a bit long. Because you know, Kane's you know girlfriend or whatever uh, before she she gets killed, she's like she recognises him. It's like how the fuck would you recognise him? It doesn't look like him. No, they didn't look the same. It's mm. like that's literally just 
It looks like him in the same way that the identigraph looked like Locke. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Con- conceptually, oh, no, it's not a banana cube. Conceptually, sort of, because the dimensions are the same. Becca and I, were, Becca and I, were saying off air, um, they probably should have max headroomed it. Yeah. In that, you <laughs> use an actual up. actor, and then use a mixture of sort of makeup and graphics to sort of make it look more digitized. Mm. This whole digital effect has dated it horrendously, and it wouldn't have been super cut in edge in 1990 either. But I'm, so, wonder, I'm wondering uh, even what what will be the point in from a design perspective. Like, doesn't need a face. Well, yeah. I just think like ten years on, they have obviously like anything you know, like the Matrix, and also you see oh, even yeah. in the mid '80s, you know the graphics that, that you know that we'll see later on for the um, for the Terminator movies look way better. Terminator Two is the year after this. Yeah. Mind you, three times the budget of this as well. well it's, yeah, that's true. Um, although, having said that, you've got to think about Arnie's salary and things like that. So, <laughs> I love it. Was Arnie's salary? Yeah, I was going to say perhaps double this. I don't know yeah. whichever way you want to look at it, but it's a more expensive film with a much more visionary filmmaker as well. Whatever you, whatever the pros and cons of um, Cameron, he will get the most out of the machinery given to him, software and hardware. So, I, I don't like the look here. I don't think it works. Uh, if if the argument is that you're dealing with people in law enforcement, so you occasionally have to show a face, well, then why fucking rip his head off in the first place? Yeah, I don't understand that. Just you, you could have, you, you you know, you you've made him look like a fucking Cylon from the you know redone Battlestar Galactica, and then suddenly decided he needed like a touchy feely face. Which you've stuck on a screen and made nothing look, look nothing like a human face. Law enforcement with a kind of human face? No. And the problem is, it's not humanoid at per se. It's stop motion, and the stop motion's not great. The stop motion's very Harryhausen. Which 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 is great, for, but for that era in in Hollywood. I think by now it would be creaky. Yeah. Sure. I mean, it's basically just like Ed Two and Anne again, but just with a bit more flexibility. Yeah, yeah, it kind of hasn't really, hasn't really moved on. I mean, I do, I, I appreciate. Well, I like to think of myself as somebody who can appreciate animation. I um, definitely love Harry Hasn't absolute genius and very forward thinking, but it does kind of as if it, you know it was kind of made at that time and hasn't really improved since. But um, people came along and stood on the shoulders of of, of his efforts, mm. and, and and this actually looks like his efforts. And you think, well, this is it, 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 yeah, it kind of it harks back to that sort of time, which is all very charming. But when you're trying to make something look futuristic, yeah. it kind of stands out. Um, and you've got some really terrible like green or I'm sorry, but green or blue screen work as well, and the scenes following, and it's just like oh, a bit cringy. The biggest problem for me is with Ed Two O Nine. It was stop motion. It didn't look as good as something like the Atats from, say, the early the Star Wars films nearly a decade before, in that they stuck some motion blur in and things like that. So you can just about tell it's stop motion, but it's so good. But I'd look at it and go, A, there's a charm to it, and B, it's only for the odd scene. So I'll live with that. And the first Robocop's not massive budget anyway. You know, so all of that I buy. Problem is now you've got a creature that's about to interact with a humanoid and uh, with, they've designed it with no idea of how that's going to work and it, it certainly doesn't work particularly well because obviously what, what's about to come is Robocop and Robocop 2 go at it they, they have a, a big mm. fight but I mean the first thing to point out is the amount of bullets flying here is nothing short of ludicrous 
I thought of this film because I watched this film earlier in the week. And in a couple of weeks' time, I'm going to review for Set the Tape, Angel Has Fallen. And I'd seen Olympus, but I hadn't seen London. So I watched London Has Fallen, like, yesterday or the day before. It's not that good, (laughs) but um, it's all right. It does what it says on the tin. It's okay as a sort of B-movie actioner. But there's a scene in that where they're fighting in an alley, and they're just shooting constantly and almost indiscriminately. Is that like the one-shot thing where it kind of just follows, follows them? It's not badly done in that the way the Mike Banning character moves between different points where he can stop and break and regroup is quite well done. But the bullets, when they start flying, are a little bit indiscriminate. It reminds me of the end of Tomorrow Never Dies where, like, fucking Brosnan is just firing this fucking thing around all over the place, not even looking. Mm. Um, This is a bit like that. It's not the gore, it's not the violence, but it is gun porn. It is, like... The amount of shots in this film is just nothing short of ridiculous with no pattern, rhyme or reason, strategy, anything. And it's just, it's a little bit over the top. It goes on for too long as well. And we really linger on people when they're shot and things like that. And again, it's not the gore that's bothering me. It's the sensibility. It's like, what what are you trying to say to us here? I don't really know. But obviously, um, Lewis gets her one moment of slamming him into the wall with Mm. with a sort of, truck um, which achieves not very much but slows him down for a couple of minutes and of course as he's about to fire again Robocop sort of jumps on his back and this is fucking ridiculous this looks awful I don't know how I don't know I don't know how they had the balls to put this on the screen or the brains (laughs) (laughs) or the brains yeah (laughs) Yeah, so basically he rips the uh, his his brain and eyes out, and um, and he's like, "There, goodbye, Kane." And That's it. I mean, there's a bit of fight. There's a bit of a fighting. I mean, well, I, well, I kind of there's some is... fighting first, Chris, in an elevator shaft, yeah. isn't it? That's really fucking lame as well. And then, yeah, and then, sorry. and then, and they fall off. And they fall off from the top of the building. Yeah, you're coming with me, Kane. All that stuff. Um, <laughs> That's pretty much how he talks. Uh, but what what raises me like pulling the brain out right and and Kane's there going Kane going like looking um, distraught and go no don't do it and it's like hang on your brain is disconnected like how is this even like still still a thing <laughs> it's fucking ridiculous he's there in a bit of pain and he finally switches off when when it's like smashed and it's nowhere near it's nowhere near his mechanoid body it's not connected to him. It's fucking weird. I, I don't... Yeah. It's just... I don't know... I don't know how the effect of him wrestling around on his back, what, which what looks like a fucking miniature, because it probably is, mm. in stop motion, is was allowed to get through. I don't know how, after this battle royale, just disconnect him at the back is enabled to work, and I don't know how this got through. Did nobody in the writer's room if there was a writer's room, but presumably there was some sort of quality control where producers and directors and stuff looked at this stuff did, went, well that doesn't make any fucking sense <laughs> so clearly not and that's it yeah, well, what's it, what's his last line though, and is it kind of like you know, what in the film or with the action scene, in the film because it literally ends right there, Robocop's just like almost like back, well, back, back to normal it's like he's there like twisting yeah, the, the bit we'll just quickly add is obviously uh, the old man and Johnson immediately the old man and Johnson 
<laughs> the old man's Johnson. I know, and we, we lost Dick in the last film. <laughs> they really are a bunch of cocks at OCP. Um, they realise what's about to happen, that they've lost the crowd, that this has all like been a PR disaster. Yeah. They decide they're going to hang this it on look, this, look could ba- this, this could look bad. <laughs> yeah, so they, they decide they're going to hang it on facts. They don't tell facts that, so facts gets in the car with the old man. They ignore all questions from the press because the media are stood around watching this. Because you do, when bullets are flying, you just stand there with your fucking microphone held out. Yeah. Um, and as they drive off, um, I think Lewis says something to Robocop along the lines of, "These these bastards are going to get away with it," and he says, "Patience, we're only human." And I just think that's the problem with this film you, you're trying to build a franchise so you've got to keep OCP dangling as the bad guys patience mm. were only human what a dumb way to end a film A that's meant to be funny it's not funny and B it's just totally sidestepped the whole issue of OCP in this film and so we're going to go into the next film and what does that re- even mean though we're only human we can't do Rome wasn't built in a day we can't achieve everything at once patience we will oh, bring okay. OCP it makes sense as a line, but mm. it, as a way to end a film, it's completely unsatisfactory. It, it, yeah, and then... And it's, it, it almost smash cuts to credits. It does a little bit. So. Yeah, again, I think it's evoking the se- the first film as well with the, um, you know, what right. uh, what's your name? Murphy, credits. Yeah, I'm human. Yeah, literally. This Murphy. one, I'm human. Yeah. Because at one point he is asked during the film, who are you, Alex J. Murphy? No, you aren't. Try again. She types a command, Robocop. So there's loads of ideas here, and I'll just quickly do my final thoughts because I've said it all. This is this is There's tons of ideas here, but there's a complete mismatch, and there's a degree of um, quality control missing. That's what it is. Uh, there's a degree of quality control and decision-making control. Degree of plot missing. Degree of storyline missing. No, there's, ton- there's tons of plot. <laughs> there's tons of plot. That's the problem. It's rambling off in different directions. You know, there, there's plots around wife. That's there's there's plot around the company. There's plot around um, Robocop Two. There's plot around the Nuke Gang and Kane. It just none of it really really hangs together. But my main problem with this film, for all of, is all of that actually. But the biggest thing I'm left with because it's the last ten minutes of the film is how did that get through quality control? This is this is three times the budget of the first film, and you've actually designed something to be stop motion with a with a human on its back. That's actually a model, clearly, and nobody at any point has gone that doesn't work. And actually, this is the same director who decided to have a horse jump off a fucking cliff in, you know, <laughs> Never Say Never Again, in, in, in one of the worst effects in cinema history, and and went yeah that'll do. So that's my final thought. Really, we've we've dealt with worse. When you look, you know, in Rotten Tomatoes term, it scores about right. It's not something that should be scoring five or ten percent. It's got some ideas. It's got some inventiveness in it. It tries to sort of carry the baton from the first film and develop things. But what a mess! What about you guys? Uh, pretty much the same, same as you, Dave. Um, again, it has, as I said, it's made by committee. Uh, the, the ideas just aren't fleshed out at all. It's just kind of a shame. Be, because it does have some ideas, but they're just not stitched together re- really well. Yeah, it's not it's not the not the uh, sequel we envisioned. Definitely, um, dare I say, could episode three? <laughs> nope. <laughs> the third film be worse. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. It can. 
because by the time you get to the third film, there's no budget. There's a different leading man, and there aren't three films in this. There might, funnily enough, if the re, if the reboot had been a little better and better received, there might have been in that. But there's not three films in this version of Robocop, and actually, there probably wasn't. I always thought there wasn't even a second film, but actually, Chris and I and you have talked enough tonight that I've gone, yeah, I can see how you do a sequel here. Mm. And the problem is, all the things we've talked about are hinted at in this film. So there's all the seeds of a sequel here. Which almost makes it a shame, doesn't it? That the fact that we could have, yeah. you know, that there was potential. Very much. But there we are. But I don't know where that. <laughs> I, I, we we, we is, talked about I've, a good two hours. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything. <laughs> about this film, of course. Uh, I think I don't know. It was written by Miller Light Lager or something. I'm, <laughs> And and, and uh, directed by um, Henry Winkler. Max von Blockenstein. Irving Winkler. Henry Winkler. Yeah, the Fonz directed this or something. I don't know. Becca, we're confused. <laughs> yeah, I managed to find some fun facts about this. Sorry, so Keller. Keller. Starring, <laughs> starring somebody from Beyond the Grave. Um. Yeah, some of the facts are more fun. Um. Obviously, this is Irving Kirshner's last film. That's not a very fun fact, but very sad. Well, he didn't die for a long time afterwards, to be fair. It, it's not his last because he died two years later. He died twice. No, no. But it took him a while, but it's, you know. Yeah, um, yeah fun fact number one. Um, obviously, you mentioned the pilot, the TV show. Um, again, something else I'd never heard of. Um, so the pilot episode of the show um, came from the first draft of, of, of this film. Um, fun fact number two, um, the shootout <laughs> scene... I'm clubs. sorry, I'm laughing at the idea there was more than one draft. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> they fixed nothing. But Miller, Miller was like, this isn't, damn you, this is well, too... The, well, there, there, there's, there's, there's loads of drafts, but not of the same script. <laughs> they just put it all together. That's the point. They've got like 10 minutes of lots of different things. <laughs> think, well, I've got the ideas, Dan. I'll fix it in the second draft. There wasn't one. Anyway, sorry. I'd like to see the... Um... The you know alternate versions of this film, so it's actually good. Oh my god, I've just seen, off I've just seen um, Terminator Genesis is on. Oh my god. All right, I'll just mute Never that. Never seen it either. Oh, I didn't realise it was on. No, I, I avoided it at the cinema. Uh, don't don't um don't spoil that. Wait till you get to it in sequence because there's a bit in. The, and don't watch any trailers to it either. No, I'll try not cause... to. Because there's because a major plot point's given away in the trailer, which is often a sign a studio thinks it's got a turkey, and it goes, "We'll, we'll give that away, see if people will come and watch that." That'll be a big one. Honestly, there's a draw dropping bit in it that you go, "Oh fuck off, really?" You go, "What?" <laughs> anyway, sorry, cool. No, that's okay. I, I was like, "Oh, do I watch it?" Oh no, it's no, only finished. No, no, no. I promise you, don't. Okay, thank you. All right. Anyway, fun fact number two: the shootout scene in the Nuke Labs. Um, is filmed in the Budweiser Brewery um, and you can see that sitting used again in Star Trek, okay. the 2009 remake use of various scenes of um, engineering areas inside the Enterprise yeah. um, fun fact number three <laughs> this is all about Apple versus Microsoft um, from the point of view of Robocop it shows a kind of like a, a DOS style interface whereas I call him Kane Bob but he's obviously Robocane <laughs> um, has a kind of Apple style OS interface um, and the special effects were generated from the Commodore Amiga computer which I think is very cool very retro styly um, 
perfect number four in the arcade, arcade scene where he harasses all those kids. Um, obviously, the games are created by um, Delta East, and they would obviously go on to create the Robocop video games. Uh, fun fact number five. <laughs> this is my fun fact. Um, some new Prime directives. I literally stopped. I'm one of these people. If there's a list of something on TV, I have to pause it and read Indeed, what they are. Did. I thought about it. <clears throat> I must read them. So, yeah, there's like a whole list of, you know, 20, 30 odd. I just plucked a few, five, plucked five of them out, which I thought were quite funny. Um, so, Directive 254, um, encourage awareness. Encourage. <laughs> it's quite funny. That just points out how useless and how very kind of artifact, airy fairy. Is. Yeah, just, yeah just, it's quite aware. vague. Encourage awareness of, of what? Be aware. Please be more specific. But again, that's, that's the lack of care in this film. They just go, oh, no one's going to check, are they? But at, at the same time, I mean, the, the directives they had literally are nonsense. And I think there's um, the actual kind of, there's a, a pipe sort of connecting, you know, the, from the computer to his brain or something. Yeah. Um, and that's not kind of used in like computer technology. It's kind of used in plumbing or something. So literally, they are putting rubbish into his brain. Um, where are we now? Oh yeah, directive number two hundred fifty-six: discourage harsh language. So obviously, he's telling people don't swear. Uh, two hundred fifty-eight: um, commend sincere efforts. Of what? How, how <laughs> do you know? What? How do you know whether they're sincere as well? Exactly. And again, is that mutually exclusive with breaking the law? Oh, so if if you see people shagging in the middle of the street, can you put can you it? Sin- but, you, but you're sincerely trying to do to it, it well. <laughs> Which what was the previous one you just said? The discouraged bad language. Discouraged harsh language. That's the one I saw. That's the only one oh, I saw. Yeah, at that's normal the one that he does. Speed. Is like oh bad yeah swearing. No, but I saw that at normal speed when they went past the screen. Yeah, and then he goes oh bad language encourages bad feelings or something like that. Yeah. Um, Interestingly, really random. Obviously, like on various Sky channels, you get like various Asian channels and everything. I think on one of the the Korean channels, there's another. It's basically it's it's to discourage like um like trolling, and negative comments online, um because that's a that's a really big problem. Um, so that kind of reminded me a little bit of that. Um, yeah, directive two hundred sixty one. Talk things out. Um and. <laughs> <laughs> Talk things, talk things out. out. Hey, let's talk about these problems. But that's quite again. That's quite broad. Talk things out. That could apply to anything. Yeah. Um, and and what's the limits of that? You're there for a fucking month, just talking through <laughs> everything. It, yeah, there's no kind of set deadline. You, you, you must receive. You must reach a conclusion within thirty days or something like that. <laughs> talk things out. Very open. Very you know, generally useless. Um, I thought he was just going to arrest them and bring them back. He's been gone a month. <laughs> Get out there, all the criminals are severely dehydrated while he's talking to them about their barbers and shit. Gone forever. <laughs> and now a word on nutrition. Yeah, that was good. I like that one. And also Prime Directive 261, no, 262, avoid Orion meetings. So that was my fun fact about Orion. Oh, that's an in-joke about the studio, isn't it? I yeah. thought it was quite funny. I was like, oh, I can see They have a funny funny. idea of what is funny, though. <laughs> you know, it's like, I don't know. They had to probably pat themselves on the back when they came up with that one. Yeah, they probably thought, oh, these are pretty bad, so we'll let's just, just take that. Week. But yeah, I thought that was quite funny. It made me laugh. I just thought, oh, you know, yeah. You know when, um, you, know when you, you often get that, don't you? What film do you think of when you see this logo? And it will show you like MGM and we all think Bond or whatever. Yeah. And so on. And when you see like Fox, you might think Star Wars or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whenever I see the Orion logo, I think of uh, the Dudley Moore film, Arthur. Oh, Yeah. 
because it will be uh, when you get crossed between the moon and New York City plays over that opening credits oh. of that film. It cuts in over that logo. Da, 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 da. Yeah, that's a classic tune. Yeah. Film's not bad either. The remake shit, but Arthur's yeah, quite funny. It basically, if you make the leap that alcoholism is hilarious, the film's quite funny. They've got Dudley Moore, who is a genius. Who was, was a genius? He was a great physical comedian. Yeah. But anyway, that was my five fun facts. I think we got a lot of sort of bonus bang for our buck there, Chris, don't you? With all I, the... I, 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 I think we could sort of probably, you know, get away with not doing fun facts. We got so much out. Yeah, I think that's it now. <laughs> we're <laughs> facted forever. <laughs> we're, we're facked out. Facts yeah. out. I, so tune in next week for a new, <laughs> a, a new section where we just say... Chris's meaty back... corner. Becca, fill two minutes. <laughs> uh, Becca, talk. Chris, Chris, wasn't take, Chris wasn't taken with Chris's pork minute. So it's gonna... <laughs> uh, I'll do interpretative dance. Anyway. When you can't see me, so you have to guess what I'm doing. All right, folks. Um, before we go any further, social media. Where can uh, I find you, Dave? Oh, me, at Pasty Kid, 1970. You usually go first. So. I don't know why I left a gap there. I was already fucking talking. <laughs> uh, Chris? Uh, you can find me at Cinematronics. You can find all the old websites at cinematronics.co.uk where... Uh, all the websites. All, the, all websites. the old websites. All the all, websites. All the Westerns. And all the shows. <laughs> all shows there. Uh, you can also find uh, them at Spotify and uh, on all the Apple, iPod, Google uh, podcasts and all the rest of it. We're there. Basically, a, everywhere, but as far as, as far as we know, everywhere but SoundCloud, I think. Yeah, because like, really, he uses SoundCloud. Yeah, I said that. I, I say that, although occasionally, like, um, Tony we'll Black prompt post that will link off to something he recorded on SoundCloud. But yeah. And sometimes you might find us on Podbean as well, even though we're not officially there. And my, uh, and my friend Jade, she she does podcasts on uh, on SoundCloud. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. Okay. I don't know how Podbean works. I don't know if we've got to register to that or not, but fuck it, we're in enough places. You can find us. Can't keep saying to Chris, put us somewhere else. No, as I think well. I think Podbean is like somewhere where if if I didn't have a website, you'd describe somewhere where Podbean where you upload your podcasts to. Oh, so and it's they, like an Acast. And they and they sort out the. I think I think they pretty sort out the feeds and things like that. I know because everyone say, "Oh, who would you use to host and all that shit?" And it's like that's just, yeah. I suppose that is for people without websites, isn't it? I suppose there's a degree of uh, the only thing you do get out of that is a degree of sort of cross promotion and stuff because you mm. can go to an Acast and get suggestions and stuff, but yeah, we, we don't need it. We've got listeners, so it's not a problem. Yeah, okay, yeah. So we're everywhere. We're everywhere except SoundCloud and YouTube, of course, which is missing a couple of music episodes, but that's about it. And a couple of trailers. For some reason, there's one or two music episodes we didn't cut trailers for, but. Yeah, most nearly every, nearly all of our stuff is there. For the majority. <laughs> oh yeah, and uh, and the Chris and the summer reviews myself and Chris have done, with the exception of the first one, which even that I'll load up at some point when I can be bothered to convert it and do all that. But the second one onwards are, are there, and we'll be recording the third one in about two or three weeks, or the fourth one actually, well the fourth volume part two, so about the sixth or seventh episode. Oh god. <laughs> Yeah, they, it's they an get... overarching series. 
Uh, they're quite fun to do, actually. We'll, we'll have to, probably before we go off here tonight, we'll actually pick a date for the next one. But yeah. Okay. Um, Becca, where else? But yeah, no, that's pretty much you can find us at Expect Us Talk on Twitter and Do You Expect Us Talk on Facebook. You can drop us a line if you want via email, expect us to talk at gmail.com. Okay. I think, I, I think having not massively enjoyed this film tonight, I'm kind of pleased that I'm not going to be sitting down to watch Robocop 3 this week because we're going to revisit an old series, which means Becca. Yes, we are returning to Tarantino briefly as we review Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 